Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And we are right in the middle of WrestleMania week, which culminates with the event itself on Saturday and Sunday night, which is going to be streaming on the Peacock app, which is uh, the streaming service where NBC Universal has all of its content. And now all of the WWE, the entire library, lives on the Peacock Network. It will no longer be a standalone uh, service, which uh, I'm kind of bummed about, but, you know, got to adapt, got to evolve. That's just where WWE decided to invest the network in, and, and NBC bought them out, and uh, that's where everything's going to be. All the pay-per-views will be streaming through there. If you want to go back and revisit a lot of their classic pay-per-views and, you know, their original documentaries and all that stuff that they have, it's going to be there on the Peacock Network. So, yeah, that's just the way it is. Right now, they're offering a special, like, $9.99 for four months, which includes uh, WrestleMania, which is, of course, again, on Saturday and Sunday. So I think it's worth the price. And then what you want to do, to do after that is, you know, is your business. But I think $9.99 for four months is, is a pretty awesome steal. And I know WrestleMania has been basically $10 since 2014 at the launch of the WWE Network. So, you, again, you're continuing to get a great price for this biggest event of the year at least for the wrestling fans and the wrestling community um gonna be bringing on brandon mclaughlin in just a couple of minutes and we're gonna be discussing the two-night card we're gonna break down every match all the storylines leading up to it it's a weird uh weirdly booked show and and we'll highlight a lot of that throughout the course of our conversation and towards the end uh brandon uh, posed a very interesting question to me that I had to think about for a bit. Uh, and this was before we decided to, to record this podcast. So uh, I had time to think about it and I will answer it towards the end after we've previewed the entire WrestleMania 37 card, which is happening from Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium this weekend. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, Brandon McLaughlin will join me and we preview WrestleMania 37. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, and in studio today, I've got returning, uh, it's been a while since we've talked, uh, I saw him I think last October for my birthday, and we're off and on on social media, keeping up with each other, wrestling-wise or whatever, pop culture, anything that we want to discuss, we'll, we'll take jabs or whatever, poke fun at whatever's going on. Uh, Brandon, welcome back, buddy, what's going on? Not much, uh, as always, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, homies and haters alike, that's right, I am still alive, 
Uh, third time returning guest, first time on season two, Palace Off the Top Rope. Super excited. So as you had said, I haven't seen you since your birthday. So I would be remiss if I didn't say this, but congratulations are in order. Um, to all of my, uh, I apologize to all of my fellow Cowboys Nation. Uh, Jake Ramirez, please don't slander me or say mean things about me on Facebook. But, he can um, try. <laughs> but for the first time, uh, unheard of, unprecedented in NFL history, seven-time Super Bowl champion Robert Palacios. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It was, uh, it was a tough, grueling season. There was a lot of doubters, as always, but... Just like I always tell everybody online, I want it more than you, and I always will. Uh, I feel bad for you, sir, uh, with with your team. Hopefully, they'll have a better comeback uh, next season. It can only go up, right, with everything that happened last year. I mean, it, it, that's as low as you can go. You lose your starting quarterback in in the fashion that y'all did, which was horrible. Like I, I wish Dak nothing but the best, and hopefully, he comes back strong from that. But yeah, uh, it'll be a definitely a way better season than last. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on wood on that because uh, I'm not gonna hold my breath. I'm just being honest here because, uh, as we have seen in previous seasons, even teams like the New York Jets or the Cleveland Browns can go 0 and 15 or, or 1 and 14 in a, in a regular season. And I haven't I haven't seen that from from this Dallas Cowboys team, and I hope not to see it. But uh, anything's a possibility, I guess. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I know that the free agency has come and gone. We have the draft coming up, and so it's going to be interesting to see what we're going, what kind of moves we're going to make there um, to kind of determine the the season ahead of us. But um, you know, I'm 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 loyal to a fault, and that fault is is pretty much death, and that that goes for any of my fandoms: uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the Spurs, uh, wrestling, which we're going to cover today. Uh, uh, for for everybody out there that knows me, the weekend I know I can say some pretty out, uh, outrageous and outlandish things, but that's just me. Uh, I know that I I say things that are sometimes out of line, and I, I I have said it before, and I'll say it a million times till I die. I, I believe in reaping what you sow, and you make your bed, you lie in that bed. So I'm I'm prepared to eat my words. Uh, that's that's just how I am, and I as as far as the Cowboys are concerned. Could this be another mediocre season? Could it be eight and nine? Could we get bounced out of the division win again in week 16 and then just get slaughtered by New England as a, as a novelty in week 17? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, uh, perhaps I'll have you, uh, on this season for the NFL, maybe around the time the Cowboys and Patriots play, or maybe we'll see if the Cowboys are doing really well, bring you on, uh, on the NFL show and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But yes, we are here to discuss Wrestling, it is, of course, the continuation of WrestleMania week. And it's it's now that time of year where we're going to break down the card and everything going on. But before we get to that, did want to ask Brandon a couple of questions as far as, like, you know, where your head is at with, with, with the current state of the product. Not just with WWE, but also AEW or just any type of wrestling going on. I know I've said at nauseum on this show about how, like, I've kind of been in and out and out of storylines and, you know, I'll catch up on social media and all that stuff, but it's kind of been hit or miss for me. Uh, what about you? How has it been for you these last couple of months or just years in general? It's been pretty rough. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of in that same boat. Uh, I, I had mentioned before that 
pri- and, and I can't really, it, it's, you know, momentum is starting to shift. I can't really use COVID as, as much of an excuse anymore. Uh, whereas if we were having this conversation last year, you know, my response to this might be a little bit different, but, um, you know, states are starting to open back up. Businesses are, are starting to allow more capacity and, and, and starting to let more people in. The mask mandate just got lifted in our state. Uh, vaccines are rolling out this time last week. Uh, anybody who's over the age of 16 or 16 or older are eligible to go out there. So momentum is, is starting to shift. Obviously, this is still a serious deal. We should still take this seriously and, and, and take whatever precautions necessary. But I, I think that, you know, m- more people are starting to become a little more, a little more relaxed, a little more comfortable and can't really use COVID as much of an excuse anymore. Uh, the way that wrestling has kind of been is it's, it's kind of, it's so weird. Um, I don't, since I've been in college, I haven't really had the access to cable unless I was somewhere that had cable accessibility. So like at a gym or my previous job, or, uh, even most recently when I was recovering from my surgery back in November, I, I was recovering at my parents' house. And that was the first time in a long time that I actually, actively watched full-on episodes of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown throughout the week. Um, the the storylines feel like they just, they don't have a lot of effort put into them, and it's it's kind of disappointing. Uh, even AEW, I was so, so excited to see where they were going to go. Um, and this could just be me. Uh, you may have a different opinion. Uh, some of our other mutual friends that, that, come, that we come across with wrestling on, on Facebook and Twitter might have different opinions, but AEW from the start was so it seemed like it was going to be so refreshing like a like a breath of fresh air uh just something new something different and then every week you see like 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 Paul Paul White the big show or uh more recently the the revolution pay-per-view that they just passed and and the big the quote unquote the the big surprise that big show was building up was was uh, Christian, like you're, you're bringing these, you're bringing these like, or, or even, and, and this is no disrespect, but even like sting, you're bringing like these older WCW guys, you know, guys that are past their prime. And it's kind of like, I thought the whole point was to build up the, the younger stars and, and to build up the, the up and comers. And why are you wasting money bringing these guys on? Granted, I understand that, you know, they need the money. Uh, again, this, this pandemic is, is being taken very seriously, but it's kind of just, it doesn't make much sense to me. And then WWE is just, it feels like it's getting very lazy. I feel like the only thing right now that they got going for them is, is NXT. NXT has just been booked very well. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a no brainer there because they've, they've always kind of taken care of that. Uh, they've always taken care of business in terms of, of how they write their storylines and their performances, but more or less, that's, that's kind of where I'm, my head is at right now. Can I ask you real quickly about AEW? And I know this is a more WWE centric show that we're going to do, but I have to get this out there. Why do you think it is that they're, they're going more this path of signing a lot more of these veterans and, even they're now getting more into the sports entertainment aspect of it as opposed to them like sticking with what this is what of course coming from them they said it was going to be more sports based which it still kind of is but you get a lot of that goofiness as well do you think this is tnt in their ear or is this just them like realizing okay we have to kind of like do what the other company is doing as well i don't know what, what do you think it is do you think it's the the corporate people in their head saying like hey you guys gotta get some you know, established names on here as opposed to building up a new new roster. What do you think it is? 
Mm, I I could go either way on that. Uh, I don't know how to split the difference exactly. Uh, if it's fifty fifty or sixty forty, seventy thirty, what have you? Uh, because it is it is pretty much ran by uh, Cody Rhodes, but it's also funded by uh, Tony Khan, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's kind of one of those those very rich, wealthy types, uh, almost like a like a Vince McMahon kind of. So they have the funds. I don't think money is necessarily a problem uh, in terms of like TNT trying to get more people for a draw. Uh, it very well could be. Uh, the other thing that I'm also thinking about too is uh, again going back to the the people that they're signing. Um, if you take a look at their roster right now, you have, uh, guys who, who are originally signed. So you have like Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Chris Jericho, obviously, uh, you have, uh, Sean Spears, AKA, uh, FKA, excuse me, um, Ty Dillinger, and then you have, uh, John Moxley, FKA, Dean Ambrose, and then Jake Hager, FKA, Jack Swagger. And those guys, they signed... Even though they won't always explicitly say it because they want to be polite and professional and poised, but they had their frustrations when they were with WWE and, and you didn't really see them. You didn't get to see them perform to the best of their abilities. Same thing with, uh, with FTR, uh, who was, uh, FKA, the, the revival. Um, so it, it's kind of one of those signing the, uh, signing these older, like, attitude era, WCW era type guys. It kind of makes sense that Christian, Big Show, they didn't really, they, they were world champions, but they didn't really get much of a run. Right. And then, you know, how was, how was Big Show booked? Let's, let's think about in recent years, uh, kind of going back to his WWE runs, how was he booked? He was always booked as like the friendly, goofy giant. And then every other month, I feel like he always had a heel turn. Yeah. Um, they brought back Sting, uh, in the 2014 Survivor Series when it was Team Cena versus Team Authority, which, on the record, I might actually say may be my favorite Survivor Series event of all time because that was just a really fantastic card. But he came back and then he did like a he did a thing with the Authority where he fought with Triple H and then got buried at, at WrestleMania and then he feuded with Rollins for the world title and got hurt. So he didn't mm-hmm. really have much of an opportunity there either. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe, you know, so maybe I'm griping, like, why are you bringing all of these older guys? But uh, empathetically, it might be because, okay, well, we still, we're not in our primes anymore, but we still got some good years in us, and, and we love the the, the sports. Uh, we, we love the business. We love wrestling, which is why we, we're doing what we're doing. So it's kind of like... They want to see if they can get a better opportunity. That's that's also how I can I can see it. Again, I couldn't tell you how to split the difference of of what it could be if if it's A or B, but I know that it's a little bit of both. At, at least that's what I think. Yeah. Here, well, here's my issue with it. Like, I'm totally okay with them bringing in these guys and they start doing all the wacky stuff. My issue is then don't promote yourself like that. You're so much different than WWE or you know like with the way I I know how Cody and the Young Bucks talk. How like they're they're so anti that but then you're doing a lot of the same things like mm. you're bringing in older veterans to how's that any different than when WWE brings in Goldberg to take us the spot over like a you have Kevin Owens there build him up instead of Goldberg you bring in Christian and I mean no offense Christian's great but you know you got Scorpio Sky on the wings there that you could be building up instead so how is that any different than what WWE is doing like you can't criticize them for doing one thing but then you're doing the exact same thing yourself so that's all my issue is with it if you're gonna do that then don't criticize wwe for doing it right right um 
I, I guess, uh, you know, AEW, since its uh, debut, has been a little bit more, uh, I, I guess, in, in a way, they've been better with their storytelling. Yeah, I so, agree. So bringing in these guys for the sake of telling us, I guess, telling a story as opposed to bringing in like like a Goldberg where or bringing in like the Undertaker nowadays where it's like, okay, you know, you're only going to use them for one match. Yeah. You're never going to see them on TV. Uh, they're not they're hardly ever going to be cutting promos. And, and I think that's I think that's one of the, the major differences is you see these guys coming in and they're they're working with these younger cats and yeah. they're they're cutting these different promos and they're actually they're actually telling a story as opposed to just okay we're going to show up just for the sake of you knowing that we're going to be the uh, we're going to be the guy facing uh the champion or what have you at the pay-per-view and then you're never going to see us again uh yeah. I, I think that they they hold more of a they, they hold a little bit more weight um than you know WWE using Goldberg or somebody like that, but to your point, that's absolutely right. It's a little bit hypocritical on their end uh, to say one thing, but then pretty much do it and, and think it's okay. But I also give them the, the benefit of the doubt because they are pretty good at long term storytelling. So if you're bringing in Christian, fine, cool. But if it's to set up to like build up somebody like Scorpio Sky to eventually go over him, you know, I'm just using him as an example because Scorpio Sky is a guy that they talked about like, oh, this is going to be the future. Same thing with like Adam Page. Like, yeah, they were building like these guys are going to be like the next top superstars. So if you're bringing in veterans like that and you're going to use them to transition to put over the, the younger guys, I'm all cool for it. But if three or four months down the line, it's still like, oh, you're trying to Christian's on his last run. We're going to give him this like top championship level run run then it's like well that's no different than what wwe does with its with its top stars or part-timers or so to speak but uh another question i wanted to ask you before we begin our conversation on wrestlemania this year two-night event again ladies and gentlemen um the broken skull sessions was announced a couple days ago which we all thought was an april fool's joke so let me let me set the stage for you folks for those of you that don't know. So on April April 1st on social media there was a video little video package put together by the WWE network uh Twitter account. This is where I saw it on Twitter. And it was the Stone Cold logo uh and it was counting down to something. But what was noticeable about the countdown sound what well, it was the same one that Chris Jericho used to use for his uh entrance music before his music would play there'd be a little countdown. It's like, well, is this like a, what's going on here? Is this going to have something to do with Jericho? It didn't say what it was, but it was counting down to something. So we all thought, eh, April Fools, they'll get us. And it turns out the next day, that countdown clock timer went down and it zoomed out and you saw Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho sitting together in the Broken Skull Sessions uh, studio, meaning there's going to be an episode with Austin and Jericho. And Jericho, who's working for another wrestling promotion, AEW. What were your thoughts on seeing that? I was blown away. I, I imagine I had a lot of the same reaction as any other wrestling fan who who saw it. I, I marked out, uh, admittedly, um, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was rather an interesting move. And uh, we had talked a, a little bit off the air about what it could mean and and what could possibly you know come about from this episode what they could possibly discuss um i this is kind of this is more or less like a conspiracy theory this is not going off of any actual evidence or anything that you could read up online but uh you had mentioned something to the effect of how 
you made the point how productions like AEW are crossing over with with other wrestling promotions. So we saw uh, AEW cross over with uh, Impact Wrestling, and mm-hmm. then of course they they cross over a lot with uh, New Japan. Um, and talking about WWE, which I feel like <laughs> for a WWE-based episode, we haven't really done enough. But talking in terms of WWE, they've also been kind of making some moves. Uh, one of which, uh, which kind of leads us to this episode today, is they recently sold their coveted WWE network to the Peacock streaming service. Meaning everything that was on the WWE network library, so all of your WWE 24 uh, documentaries, all of the pay-per-views, um, all of the episodes of Raw and, and SmackDown, that's all going to be streamed on a different nef- network. They they took something that was so exclusive and was so awesome when they launched it and they just completely gave it away. So they're making some some business decisions and now you see this uh, now you see this crossover where you have uh, Stone Cold who's a WWE legend um, who also has Chris Jericho, who's a legend in his own right, but he's representing another company. So could this be kind of, I don't know, some sort of, I don't, I don't necessarily want to jump the gun and say merger just yet, but could this be like a, like a business part partnership? Is this kind of a Vince McMahon's way of saying, all right, you know what, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put the hatchet away just for a little bit. And, uh, let's see if we can, we can kind of work together and, and get something going. It was, uh, a lot there's a lot of that running through my mind um but super excited to see how they how they pull this off i think we're just in a crossover era now you know the mcu made that super popular you see it on all the television shows now not just with superhero stuff but just any any shows in general they they always cross over all their shows so i think it's time for wrestling in general to just really adapt to this and be open to working with other promotions because it's a win-win for the fans and it's a win-win for the companies because You'll get more eyeballs on the certain shows if you promote, let's say, an AEW guy on SmackDown and then a Raw guy gets promoted on Dynamite. So it's like that's a big deal. And uh, I think both, not just Vince McMahon, but Tony Khan should be open to working with, with WWE. And But, yeah, I, I see the potential there. I'm crossing my fingers. I, I want to... I hope that this episode airs first. I don't want this to be like, maybe Vince McMahon doesn't know what's going on and he's too tied up with mania and everything and then he's going to realize, well, wait a minute, what what did I sign off on? No, 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 never mind. This is not happening. That could always be a possibility because Vince could just flip a switch in a second. So, uh, But I'm hoping this does pull through. Um, there was a report on Bleacher, Bleacher Report uh, quoting Triple H, asking him about what he thought about Jericho appearing on the Broken Skull Sessions, and he was quoted as saying that they're open for business, as meaning as working with other promotions. Now, I know Triple H is not the head man in charge, but he's he's got some weight as far as like being the top brass, so I don't know, maybe maybe Vince McMahon is opening up and, and uh, uh, open to the idea, because again, he always does what's best for business, and I know his his storylines and all that stuff. His creative has been pretty bad for the last couple of years, but you know he's brought back people in the past, like that he's had falling outs with, like Hogan, and you know Austin walked out on him years ago, you know, and he's forgive and forget, and as long as it makes sense money wise, he would do it. So I think he should be really open to the idea of possibly working with with an AEW, and not just them, New Japan, right, Ring of Honor, Impact. 
all of those uh, come into play. But it's going to be super exciting to see. And I, I just hope that this episode will be uh, – we won't have to wait to watch all of WrestleMania Night 2. And then, you know, I'm sure it will be a two-hour podcast session because they have a lot to discuss. Um, but I'm super looking forward to that. Kind of a little bit more than some of the matches on Mania. I hate to admit it, but I'm <laughs> super stoked for it. I don't blame you. I, I honestly don't blame you. <laughs> um, so – with that in mind, uh, this is WrestleMania week. Uh, Brandon's here with me. We're going to be breaking down the two-night event card, which is going to be consisting of 12 matches. Uh, we're taping this on a Monday, um, so not sure if any more matches are going to be added. But for the most part, most of the, the important matches are already listed, so we're going to be able to cover all that. I wanted to get your thoughts real quickly on just overall like what you thought just and you don't have to get real in depth with it but your overall thoughts on the presentation last year they had no fans they were in that little the performance center and uh this year they're gonna have fans back i believe they're gonna try to get up to twenty five thousand people i don't know how the ticket sales have been uh, i would have to look up dave Meltzer's reporting on that but um first yeah what were your thoughts on last year's mania and the presentation and uh how do you think the fans are going to be uh, that are going to go in attendance this year for 37 uh so the latter part of that question are you asking like what what are their reactions going to be like or? you think the crowd's going to be live and wild are they going to be like you know quiet and just you know whatever just to see what's going on or you know do you think they're going to be like just you know, going out of their minds, just cheering. You know, we may getting superstars cheered that we weren't. Because think about it, WWE has been able to control the narrative, right, for the latter part of a whole year now. You know, with piped in music and crowd noise, you know they can get they can get you to be who they want as the heel, as the babyface, as opposed to like no, the fans are determining who they want to boo and who they want to cheer. So, are you expecting some surprises like? Maybe Roman Reigns will be cheered because his character development has been tremendous, even though he's playing a bad guy character. Uh, but fans may be reacting to that differently. So I don't know. How do you see that coming uh, to fruition this year? Yeah, uh, that's uh, – I, I think uh, to better answer that question, I, I think I got to I gotta answer that and I got to bring into play the, uh, the Raw After Mania. Because mm. you know, we all know that the Raw After Mania is always one of the biggest it's, – it's kind of – over the years, it's kind of become its own spectacle in, in terms of being one of the wildest, uh, you know, television shows, uh, after, after the big event. And that's where people really kind of just, they really, the, the audience really flips the switch. So the, the characters who are supposed to be playing heels are, are cheered, uh, with, with deafening screams and, uh, the, the baby faces are just booed relentlessly. Um, I think in terms of, of this year's mania, the, the fans that are going to be in attendance, uh, these are going to be more or less your, your diehard WWE stands, uh, that are going to fill the stadium because this year's WrestleMania, when they announced that, oh, tickets are going to go on sale, it's, it's kind of, um, it, it, you didn't really give them a whole lot of time. You didn't really give the tickets a, a whole lot of time to, to sell themselves like you normally would in, in previous years because, People travel from other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, WrestleMania is a, a, you know, it's it might as well be a holiday. People come from all over the world to attend this this one time event, and and then now you you just kind of launched it. Literally, what was it, six eight weeks ago? The, yeah. the ticket sales. You're right. Um, not only that, but uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what what travel restrictions, if any, are, are still placed from you know international travel. And then you also got to consider that uh, even though they're going to have this uh, at, at Raymond James Stadium, that they're still going to hold it to a, a certain capacity. It's not going to be 100%. So uh, 
So the 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 audience that's going to be there in attendance, I think you're going to see uh, you're you're going to see them kind of follow suit with with the character storylines. They're they're going to cheer more or less who they're supposed to cheer for. They're going to boo more or less who they're supposed to boo. Uh, classic good guy bad guy storytelling. Uh, you you might have uh you you might have a, a few of those internet marks strung along here and there that just that just want to boo the boo the baby faces and, and cheer the heels just just for the sake yeah, of yeah. of doing it but um i think they'll follow suit as opposed to last year's wrestlemania last year's wrestlemania we we talked about was going to be very interesting and it, it turned out the way that it did and it was it was actually very enjoyable uh all of the cinematic stuff that they did so the firefly funhouse match with mm-hmm. john cena and the fiend uh and then you had the what was it the the boneyard match yeah the boneyard street fight whatever it was called the, those were incredible and they they definitely took advantage of the cinematic element because what choice did you have there was no audience um I don't think you're going to see a whole see them getting away with that a whole lot this year because you can't really do those kinds of things in front of a live audience. Yeah. Um, but last year's WrestleMania, for what it was, was was pretty well put together. Um, even not having the fans, uh, the the storytelling with with the actual wrestling and not just the promos uh, was was fantastic. The uh, the even the Edge Norton match, which was the uh, the the last man standing match, was phenomenal for for lack of a better term even though you didn't really have the uh the pops and the 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 energy from the crowd so that's that's where my head is on that cool um lastly before we start on the card do you think going forward it's gonna be just a two-night event going forward like it's just is it has it gotten that big where it's they're gonna have it two nights every single year i i don't really like this answer but i i think so uh simply because they they did it last year and i thought the reason why they did it last year was because of that that adaptation of, of having no audience so they kind of had to find a way to, to to put some filler in there and, and and to make it work somehow to their advantage mm-hmm. but now that they're doing it again this year and, and to be 100 percent brutally honest wrestlemania has been even prior to the pandemic the wrestlemania has been like a six-hour show because even before the uh, even before the actual event, the main card, which usually lasts about four hours, you still have the, you know, you have the you have the kickoff show, the 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 dark matches, the the pre-show, and then you have like the little uh, the the little interview panels with with the you know it used to be Renee Young, and they would bring like Booker T and Corey Graves, and they would have maybe a, a WWE legend or two, just kind of like oh what. What do you, what are your thoughts about this match or, or this person is going up against this person? Like, you know, what, what are you expecting to see here? And, and they, they kind of fill that up. So it's, it's always been more or less like a, a whole six hour type deal, splitting it into two nights. It, it kind of makes sense. I, I could see them doing that. I think it's good from a, a stamp fan standpoint. Uh, if you're watching it at home, if you're a traveler that wants to go to the show, it's going to be an interesting thing. Like, let's say for instance, like this year. Like, if I'm spending my money, and I know I'm not rich enough to go to both nights because it's, you know, WrestleMania is not a cheap ticket, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. Having finally been one to myself, like, yeah, you got to spend some money if you want to go. You're going to have to, like, hopefully WWE does a better job of promoting what's going to be on what night so that way you can give a fans a better opportunity on what night they would want to go to. But if not, you're kind of, like, playing, like, uh, you know, a risk-it game. Um, like, let's say your favorite wrestler is AJ Styles and you decide you want to go to night one, but 
and that's without knowing. And then he ends up being on night two, and he's like, oh, man, you spent all that money because you wanted to see AJ Styles. That's your favorite wrestler. So that's the only down part of having it as a two-night event, especially not knowing what's going to be on there. But if they move forward and they build up from far ahead where you know what matches are going to be on one night, I think the two-night thing could work out. But, again, if you're at home watching, perfect. Watch WrestleMania all weekend. Like, that's that's just you can't compete with that. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm about, like, 70, 30 on it as far as, like, you know, it being a good idea. That's interesting. So I, I have not uh, – I haven't really entertained the idea – of just you know for the sake of looking going and 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 checking ticket prices or anything so are are you i don't know if you have or not but the way that you're making it sound is it is it do you have to buy two separate tickets to each night because i would imagine that if you're buying a wrestlemania ticket that the price you pay would include both nights that's a good question i haven't checked that but i'm just assuming that wwe want i i would assume wwe wants to get the most money that it can so if you buy you buy for like one night but who knows maybe it is for two nights i could be again this is just me speculating but I'm assuming they want to generate as much revenue as possible. Mm. So I, I don't know. I I would have to double check on that, but that would, if, that if would, it's for both nights, and that's that's a good deal. That would I mean that would seem like the uh, I'm no I'm no business savvy individual, uh, but I, I from a uh, from a consumer standpoint, I, that would that would really turn me off and turn me away from from wanting to go to not just uh, WrestleMania but any event because that's. Why, why, why would I want to spend hundreds of hundreds of dollars for, for two tickets? I mean, you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars regardless because WrestleMania is WrestleMania, but buying ticket for, for one and then buying a ticket for another, uh, I, I think that would just piss a lot of people off. It would, um, but I can see also on their end saying like, oh, well, this will give the opportunity for somebody else to maybe get ringside that wouldn't get for, you know, cause those go pretty quickly. If you have the chance to get it for night two instead of night one, like you know, I can see it on both ends of the spectrum. But yeah, no. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm wrong, and maybe if you do buy one ticket, it's good enough for you to come back to the second night. But um, I don't know. I just the the way the prices are for those things, and I don't know the, the demand, especially for WrestleMania, people will uh, buy tickets for that. Right. I can see WWE trying to double scoop on the on the revenue, but. Hmm. Uh, again, I'll have to double check on that. So if I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. But that's just my fear with the two night thing going as a fan traveling to the event. But other than that, WrestleMania all weekend, all for it as a fan watching it. Um, you ready to get into night one? I'm ready when you are. All right, let's. Uh, this will be on Saturday, April 10th. Uh, again, streaming on the Peacock Network, um, which they're offering a pretty special deal right now. If you're if you haven't subscribed to this, so you can go to Peacock dot com slash wwe or peacock tv.com slash wwe and i signed up for it uh just because i am going to watch mania so basically what it is is you can get four months for 9.99 and that basically equivalates to 250 per those four months which is why they kind of tease you in the commercial that you're kind of getting wrestlemania for two dollars and fifty cents but not really but still 9.99 for four months of the network that's pretty that's a pretty good deal, and I think after that it's like four fifty a month, and it's the premium version of it. So, sign up for that if you're if you're interested in watching Mania because it's going to be cheap regardless. So here we go, night one. Um, we're going to get started. Uh, I'm running this down from Wikipedia. I don't know if this is necessarily how the matches are going to go in order. That could you know depend on whatever Vince McMahon decides that day. Who knows? 
Uh, but we'll start off with a, a pretty good match here that I think is gonna could be one of the show stealers, and that's Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Ooh, I you got wanna, my hat on. You want to kick us off on uh, that? I know Seth Rollins is your boy. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this matchup and uh, the lead up to it, kind of? Because Seth Rollins is kind of like he's not really in that Messiah role anymore, right? It's still. No, he he pretty much is still kind of. Oh, like is that, he? That but he dresses yeah. like all slick now, right? Or what's the thing? Drip. Yeah, the, the, the drip. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's 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 running with the Twitter stands. Um, be, before I before I dive into that answer, I'm going to take a couple of steps back here. So I, as I had stated in the beginning of the show, I'm I'm a diehard for you know the things that I'm loyal to a fault, and I don't ever see myself not being a wrestling fan. Um, there will be times where I'll be, yeah, I'll be disappointed. And, and this is kind of one of those times because WrestleMania this year kind of feels like, um, and if you're listening to this and this applies to you, or even if this applies to you, I know I'm guilty of this on, on multiple accounts. But when you're in school on uh, on any level, whether it's middle school, high school, or even the collegiate level, uh, you show up, the you know the professor in class will assign you a, uh, a project, a major project, and give you a deadline. So you know ahead of time what's coming. And you kind of just get arrogant about it, like, oh, I got this. I, I, you kind of just blow it off. You live your life. You do whatever. Uh, then the deadline catches up with you, and all of a sudden the due date is here, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, crap, I completely forgot about this, and, and this is a thing now. So you have to throw you have to throw together whatever you can and try to pull a rabbit out of the hat. That's what this year's WrestleMania feels like to me. The the storylines feel super rushed. Some of them don't don't make any sense, and and or. There's really no long-term promise. So when we're going down this card, I'm, I'm kind of going to – I don't know about you, but I'm kind of going to give it the uh, the Sour Patch Kids treatment where I'm going to kind of talk about what sours me about the match, but then I'm going to kind of give it its props and, and, okay. and talk about things that I'm excited for and the good things, you know. It's a nice plug there for that candy, though. Yep. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids, if you're uh, if you're listening to this, uh, Palace Off the Top Rope is looking for uh, sponsors. I will so tag them. Feel 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 free to feel free to give your boy here, Mr. Robert Palacios, uh, a shout out or you know what, whatever business deal that you all want to come to. Anyway, uh, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Um, so this is kind of so Rollins is still running with the uh, the Messiah shtick. This is kind of one of those matches where it, it, it was kind of I don't want to say it was thrown together last minute because Rollins uh, came back at the Rumble mm-hmm. and then he came back to SmackDown and, and he still was pretty much running with the the embrace the vision uh, you know follow the Messiah the Friday Night Messiah and then oh, real quickly he's back to the, his original theme song though right he's oh yes not, yes he's not he's, that he's, stupid like he's got the burn it down back okay I'm, I'm so that, happy that I'm, I I'm not the biggest Rollins fan, but I'm super happy he's got that song back. He, he's and it, he's got the burn it down back, and and that's yes, that that is very. I was very much elated when they got rid of the whole the, the angelic choir with the generic <laughs> rock music playing yeah, in yeah. the background. Um, so Cesaro kind of came out as as the guy, and and he's 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 kind of where he's kind of where Kevin Owens stood last year. Uh, is, is kind of this defiant, like nobody wants to follow your vision. Get you know, get the hell out of here. Um, I I don't really see what the long term promise here is because um, they they kind I don't want to I don't know if they've been trying to build Cesaro. I know Cesaro kind of came on to uh, talking smack and he kind of just did this whole copy and paste Daniel Bryan promo, but kind of mm. put it in his own words. If I'm being 100% honest, I have nothing against Cesaro. I 
I think he's a fantastic talent. He's he's very uh, technical savvy, but I never really understood the personality of his character. And that goes since his debut, because since his debut, he came in and he uh, he was Antonio Cesaro. First of all, right? He had the uh, he had the run with the United States Championship, and WWE kind of gave him the storyline of the the typical like, oh, I'm a I'm a Swiss foreigner and. America is trash and I'm a better representation of America's champion than any American. Then he drops the title and ever since that point they've just kind of been throwing him in and out of different teams and factions. So he uh he won the uh or, or, I'm sorry, before I get into that, he was uh he was a real American with uh Jake Hager, FKA Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter and then that disbanded. Then he uh, he had a pretty sweet run with Tyson Kidd until mm-hmm. Tyson Kidd got hurt, and then eventually Cesaro got hurt as well. So they dropped the tag titles, and that kind of sparked the the New Day run. Uh, and then he came back, and he feuded with uh, Sheamus for a little bit, and then they became the Bar, and then that disbanded. And then he came back, and he was kind of running with uh, he was running with Sami Zayn and uh, Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura, yeah. And he won the the Intercontinental Championship. Um, so his his character doesn't really make sense to me because they build him up as like this the strong man this the strong guy he he has a swing which is his gimmick and uh, they they give him the the monikers of like oh he's he's a Swiss Superman or he's a Swiss cyborg but then he comes in and he tries to carry himself like I I love wrestling I, I love the technical aspect I'm I'm very technical savvy like I'm I'm always gonna I'm always gonna love wrestling and I'm gonna wrestle for all of you guys and they gave you a live microphone and that was the best that you can come up with kind of like that's it's it's not really convincing to me. It doesn't make much sense. And then you have Rollins, who um, he still does fantastic character work. Uh, if if you go onto his social medias, he's like everybody's kind of like, oh, when are you going to get out of the uh, the mid card and, and go back to the main event? He's like, I am the main event. No matter where I am on the on the match card, I'm always going to be the main event. So he he does amazing character work, and I know that he's got some things going on. He he recently just had his baby, which congratulations to him. Um, so he's, he's probably just kind of taken this time to, to focus on that, which is why he's not in the main title picture, but where, where they go from here after this match, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Now, the thing that I'm going to love about this match, uh, is this should be what, uh, last year's match with Kevin Owens wasn't, uh, and, and this should be, this should be a clinic. Because these are two guys who can work. These are two guys who have great ring awareness. They have uh, great work productivity. They know what they're doing. Um, I, I'm going to make a bold proclamation here. This could. This has the makings of being a modern day Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Yeah, that, it, it that's that's how good these guys are. So that's that's what I'm really looking forward to. I don't want any kind of schmoz finish. I don't want Rollins to do what he did last year where he just kind of, you know, intentionally gets himself disqualified in any sort of way. I don't want there to be any interference. I want this to be a straight up wrestling match. And are you picking your boy? If I had to take a pick, you know what? I am going to pick him because I, I went against him last year and I didn't feel good about it, even though Kevin Owens did essentially end up winning uh, twice because he won by disqualification. And then he just straight up got the pin. Yeah. I, I am going to pick Rollins to, to go over in this one. Um, this is set up perfectly to have Cesaro go over, but again, the build to it and the underwhelming of his promos, which has always been, I, again, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. I've never had a problem with Cesaro. He's a great in-ring talent, but it's just, there's, where's that character for me to like get behind and, and really cheer for, make you really want to kick like Seth Rollins ass. 
Like I know you got your swing and all that. That'll get the crowd going. You'll have the Cesaro marks out there in the crowd that are going to cheer him pretty heavily probably in this match. Um, it's, it's built perfectly for Cesaro to win this match from a storyline standpoint. But knowing Vince McMahon, and I just recently, not too long ago, saw the podcast that he did with Steve Austin back, not the Broken Skull session, but he used to do like the Stone Cold podcast. And he had Vince McMahon on there. This was back like in 2015. Mm. And they were, he was talking about the brass ring and all that stuff. And one of the guys Vince McMahon brings up is Cesaro. Like, like, hey, like he's a good wrestler, but where's the character? Like, like he, he needs to develop more. And it's been that long and you still haven't developed that character. And again, no offense to all these wrestlers out there that are great workers and all that stuff, but if you want to be a real, like, star wrestler, like, you have to have the character. As much shit as I love to give Seth Rollins, at least he has a character. He knows what he is. And even going back, watching on the network, his stuff from 2015 when he was the architect hiding behind J&J security, like, he was a good coward heel. Like, I love that. I don't like the Messiah stuff, but he can develop characters in whatever situation he's in, so... If Cesaro can't build it up off of this, then I really think this is the end of the line for him as far as like getting any type of push. So storyline wise, Cesaro should win, but knowing the way Vince McMahon books, I know he's probably not liking what he sees. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with you as well. I think Rollins is gonna pick up the victory here, but it'll be a really fantastic match. And 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 on that note too, I, I also want to pick up on because I know that a lot of, uh, especially in recent years, I know that a lot of former WWE talent have have gone on the record on several podcasts and have aired out their frustrations with, uh, you know, WWE's creative talent and, and the creative writers and the and the creative process and, and this that and the other. This is kind of one of those where you you can't really shift all of the blame on WWE's booking for why Cesaro hasn't really been getting his opportunities because cesaro has gotten plenty of opportunities for sure he won uh one of the points that i was going to make that i didn't want to jump the gun on was he was he was the inaugural uh andre the giant battle memorial winner winner they put him up with paul Heyman, and he couldn't like exactly yeah he's had multiple title reigns he's won the u.s title he's won the intercontinental title he's won the tag team championships multiple times uh even when they were the world tag team champions and then when they split he was a raw and a smackdown tag team champion he's he's one of the guys he is one world title win away from being another uh grand slam champion Mm. but he's he's got to pull it to like this this is where it's on him he's got to pull it together and he's got to develop some sort of believable personality as as you and i had stated uh if he doesn't then that's i i venture to say if if he doesn't get another push that's i'm sorry but that's on him that Mm. you can't really put all of the blame on on wwe's creative uh at that point yeah i know but it'll be a fantastic match for sure again it's one of the ones i'm looking forward to in all of wrestlemania with these 12 matches that we're going to go through all right, let's shift gears here. Uh, here's one with one of the most dumbest builds I've ever seen. Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon, which I just found out actually uh, yesterday. It's a steel cage match. Oh, <laughs> so this uh, Shane McMahon, uh, remember Raw Underground, folks? Like, what the <laughs> oh, hell the, the WWE Fight Club? What the hell happened with that? that just, remember, everyone's like, oh, no, this is going to change things. It's going to make Raw different. It's like, no, watch. Nothing. It'll, it'll, it, they'll forget about it in a few weeks, which is exactly what happened. So Shane McMahon was doing that, went away for a while, and then came back, and he's been doing like this weird authority figure, and but also being like a bully. Mm-hmm. He's back to being how Shane McMahon was before Kevin Owens ran him off. And he's been messing around with Braun Strowman ever since before, I want to say, 
elimination chamber because he didn't have a chance to compete for the for the WWE title because he's was he was a former Universal champion, not a WWE champion. Right. It's been this weird build, and the whole storyline basically is Shane McMahon poking fun at Braun's intelligence, calling him stupid and all this stuff, making him look like a total geek, getting him slimed at some points. I think I remember I saw that on Raw uh, in a quick follow-up on social media. Uh, Shane McMahon's one of those characters. I love him to death, but if you're one of those that watches like Days of Our Lives, soap opera, you turn it on in today's age and you still see like the same characters... This will be the same thing. Like you turn on Raw and you see Shane McMahon. It's like, dude, I just saw you like twenty years ago on WrestleMania. Like you're still here. Like what are you doing? Like it, it just feels like a guy that just never goes away. Even though he was gone for an extended period of time, but I don't know. I, I've worn out my welcome with Shane McMahon. I'm sure he'll do a crazy fall or stunt in this match. Uh, so that'll be something to look forward to in that match. But as far as like the build of what this is, like I could care less. But I'm picking Braun to win. Yeah, this is, uh, so the sour part of this is again, this storyline makes absolute zero sense to me. This is a, uh, this is an audio based podcast. Uh, there's no cameras recording any of this, so it's not like we have a platform like YouTube or anything to, to put this on. But, um, you couldn't see as soon as you read the, the, that match. I immediately rolled my eyes before you started talking about the raw underground thing because I thought, yeah, what is, what is this raw underground's revenge or something? Yeah. What 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 was the point of all of this? Uh, Shane McMahon over over recent years has has kind of he's kind of been playing that what what Triple H used to do. He's kind of playing that role where he's somewhat of like like an authority figure type guy, but then he gets involved whenever he needs to, kind of right. thing, and, and he'll he'll you know he'll mess with talent. But yeah, this is more of like a, this angle has the, uh, the elementary school playground bully kind of yes. vibes, uh, just poking at Braun Strowman, uh, because I'm, you know, Brandon, monsters can get bullied too, if that's the message they're trying <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, uh, apparently. Words, words do hurt sometimes. <laughs> um, this is actually, so, disclaimer, this, this has absolutely nothing to do if, you know, Obviously, uh, cyberbullying is a thing. It's a very sensitive topic. Right. We're not poking fun of that at all. Uh, we understand that it's it's a very sensitive area. Uh, cyberbullying is is not tolerable. Uh, any type of bullying, for that matter, is not not tolerable. But uh, the way that this company is portraying bullying is is very comical. So that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what we're ribbing on right now. I'm I'm going to straight up just say Braun Strowman too, just because I really have no investment in this match at all. Um, there's really honestly no reason for Shane McMahon to win either. I don't see them trying to build a feud out of this long term and, and build it up to uh, what's the next pay-per-view after this money in the bank. Uh, or is there I don't know. It, it ships all the time. It could be anything as far. It could be held in the cell for all I know. <laughs> Who I, knows? <laughs> I don't see any kind of long-term rivalry build to this. It wouldn't make much sense. Uh, if, if Shane McMahon somehow gets the win, it's going to be a schmoz finish because Shane McMahon's also been running with uh elias and uh who's that other guy i can't think of his oh, name. oh the right guy now. that's paired up with elias yeah he yeah, yeah. Be for the forgotten sons i forgot mm-hmm. what his name he's a nobody <laughs> so so they you, you know with the with the steel cage match obviously it's no disqualification so i can see them running in and, and causing some sort of interference with that so if shane mcmahon's going to get the win then they'll probably do some silly like handcuff braun Strowman to, to something or like open up the steel cage door really fast if if that's going to be the the ending that they're going with otherwise i'm just going to pick braun Strowman, and i have no more thoughts on this so 
real quickly, as far as the look of the cage, I don't know how that's going to work on the big stage of WrestleMania. I feel like with this type of cage match, they should really do the old school one where it's got like the blue uh, cage, like the way they used to do it back like in the early 90s. Mm. Oh, yeah. They, I yeah, feel yeah. like it would look better presentation-wise because the the new cage that they have, like you can't won't really be able to see what's going on inside. Um Man, now that it's a steel cage match, I was going to say, what's the over-under that Shane McMahon falls off like the pirate ship, which Raymond James Stadium mm-hmm. has because mm-hmm. it's the home of the Bucks. Um, I was going to say, man, does he does he take a big bump? But now that it's a steel cage match, I don't know. What's your over-under? Do you think he still takes some big fall at some point? Is it? Uh, for for clarification purposes, I probably should ask this right off the bat. Is it a cage match, or is it kind of like what NXT tried to do with uh, with Riddle and uh, oh, the the cage no. fights? Is, I, is I don't think it's going to be that. It'll be your traditional steel. It's going to be match. a traditional steel cage. Um, yeah, yeah I, I imagine you might see a you might see a Shane McMahon spot. Um, I I can't really see him. He'll probably try to hit the coast to coast, but I don't see him doing that off the top uh, off oh, the top of the oof, cage. That'd be a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he might he might do it just a regular coast to coast where he stands on the edge of the ropes and then jumps and, and kicks Braun or Braun will move out of the way or catch him or do something outlandish. But um, he'll probably if he if he's going to do a high spot, he'll probably do uh kind of like the leap of faith, kind of like what you saw him do against uh, Undertaker uh at the at, at Mania thirty two in yeah. Dallas where he jumped off the hell in the cell. He might he might do that. I could uh, see that. I, I could see it. It wouldn't make much sense for him to do it. I don't I don't see what he would have to prove by doing it, but if he's gonna do like a high risk spot, I I probably would imagine he would do something like that. Yeah, you don't put Shane McMahon on Mania unless he's gonna do temp, some type of big spot. I don't think he's ever I mean uh, besides his debut at WrestleMania fifteen, he always does like some type of big spot. Even with the Miz, they did like a suplex off the I guess uh I don't know not the guardrail, but like uh it was like a little panel that they were on mm, top of yeah so he always does something so i'm expecting some shenanigan here just to make up for the stupidity of what the storyline is and yes you're right we've talked about this match for too long yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both on the Braun train right here yeah real quick the sorry Strom, the stroman express sorry. the stroman express and real quickly did you hear the stupid sound effect that they put when he does he runs around the ring they literally piped in noise of a train like sound effects so when Strowman's running around and does that say say psych say psych right now please tell me you're lying <laughs> this is a you're real, kidding me. this is a real thing oh my and i had to God. do a double take on social media when i was like did i just hear the sound of a train and they did pipe that oh in. jesus no i did not know that yeah. but how embarrassing Braun Strowman was uh, an elite level giant. Now he's in Big Show territory. With, yeah, with and you know like what? This. It's it's super sad because he actually <laughs> won me over last year. Because uh, after night two of Mania, they did like the it was like a WWE twenty four documentary special where yeah, they did like he, the they did the building up to that WrestleMania. And they yeah. talked about how the the pandemic affected him, and Braun Strowman won the Universal Title that year, and. They kind of did this whole like in depth story with Braun Strowman and, and how he you know how he had weight problems and he, he, he told he told kind of this sob story and, and it really like it, it won me over I'm not gonna lie it won me over and I'm like you know what I'm actually behind Braun now and they, this year totally ruined it yeah he's uh from a creative standpoint he's really been butchered and this is not gonna help things but he'll win on Saturday. Uh, anyways, next up we got the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships. It's the New Day, which I'm sick to death of them. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods just won the belt again from the Hurt Business, or former members of the Hurt Business in uh, Shelton Benjamin and um, Cedric Alexander. 
They'll be defending against AJ Styles and his giant of a friend, Omas, who will be making his wrestling debut on this show. And if you've never seen this guy, folks, like this guy's like, he's super, super tall. Like he makes AJ Styles look like a, a miniature little toy mm-hmm. when he stands next to him. That's how big this guy is. Um, I kind of feel bad for Omas in this spot because I don't think he's going to be able to deliver. If this is his first match at WrestleMania, I don't know. I kind of see the New Day retaining here, but I know WWE loves AJ Styles a lot, and he hasn't had really anything going for him. He needs some juice, so maybe putting the strap on him with this guy and seeing where they run with it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the New Day, uh, even though I, I I don't like them. But yeah, I don't like this spot for Omas. What are your thoughts on this match? Uh, quick question before I go into that. So correct me if I'm wrong. Was uh, is it Omas or Omos? I think it's Omos because I've been try- I've been watching some Raws and they say Omos, but it's- it could go either way because some <laughs> they'll they'll change pronunciations of of words sometimes. But I've hear I've been hearing Tom Phillips say Omos. <laughs> All right, if it's Omos or Omos, um, wasn't was he not when uh when uh when the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders were doing their spot last year for the tag team championships and then they did that silly gimmick where they started fighting ninjas on top of like a, a garbage truck or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Omos not the the giant ninja that just popped up out of nowhere? I believe he was. Was yeah. was that not his like his previous working character? Yeah, uh, you're probably right. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you. I, I think that the new day is gonna retain here, but I'm gonna disagree with you on one of your points. I don't. A, AJ Styles has no business being a no business being a tag team champion. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's 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 too good of a talent for that. I, I mean, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna put the the tag team strap on him, at least give him. Uh, no disrespect to Omas, but give give him somebody that that he can work with, that he can gel better with, and mm. not just somebody who's a glorified bodyguard. Mm. Um, I mean, we're talking about the guy that. He made his debut in 2016, and in that same year, he he was put over by John Cena, and then he had he had won the uh, the WWE Championship, and he had one of the best WWE Championship title reigns in a while. Yeah. So you're you're gonna you're gonna give him the the rub for the, the tag team championships in a in a storyline that doesn't make much sense. And I mean, yeah, Omas is pretty inexperienced, but this could also be I could also see this being. If if they were going to win, if I was going to pick them, I could see this being kind of like a uh, kind of like a, a Chris Jericho versus Fandango situation at WrestleMania yeah, 29, yeah. where Jericho is working like 90 percent of the match, and then uh, <laughs> Fandango just comes up with the finish at the very end. Because um, I I would not put it past Vince McMahon to to kind of swerve the audience like that, um, or maybe maybe Omos just does like a very very powerful spot. Like he just has Kofi and, and Xavier Woods just bouncing off of him like like nothing, um, and win it that way. But it it doesn't make sense. Uh, that I think that they should have had. I think they even if they weren't uh, referring to themselves as the Hurt Business anymore. I think having Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander have have some sort of input in this match mm-hmm. probably would have made this a, a, a little better. Uh, because at least they get a at least they get a rematch clause, you know what I mean? Give them right. give them another opportunity to to win back the titles because they work well with each other. But yeah, I'm going with the new day, uh, and that's that's all the thoughts that I have on this. Yeah, um, they've also been teasing AJ Styles and this guy Omas possibly breaking up, and WWE's you know 
perfect for this because they break up everybody like yeah. when they got good things going. Not that AJ Styles and this guy have been like the most standout-ish thing, but we just saw the Hurt Business break up, and that's been like one of the best factions that WWE has created in a very long time, and they broke that up. So that's kind of the reason why I'm picking the New Day in this match. I'm kind of kind of see an implosion here between Styles and this guy, and maybe this will be someone for Styles to feud with for a bit. I don't know. They're not doing anything with him, and I, I feel bad because AJ Styles is still one of the top three best wrestlers or top five, I, I think, overall. I think he's just still on that level. But they just need to give him... Uh, I want to see him back in the championship picture again. It's been a while. But we'll see. All right, let's move on uh, to... I can't wait for Brandon's thoughts on this match. This is the first of our two celebrities being involved in angles here at, at WrestleMania this year. And uh, this is The Miz with John Morrison battling Bad Bunny, who I have no idea who that guy is or, or what his music is. Being accompanied by Damian Priest, what a, what a debut for Damian Priest, right at May, WrestleMania. The actual wrestler is going to be playing uh, sidekick manager to to a music star on the grandest stage at WrestleMania. Um, do you want me to go first? Do you, do you want me to so that way I can tee it off and then you'll go off? I really don't have much to say about this match, um, other than I the Miz was WWE champion not even like <laughs> maybe twenty days ago and. Uh, He's been feuding with this guy for a couple of weeks now with Morrison. I thought this was going to be a tag team match, which I think probably would have been the better option. Um, I know Bad Bunny is a big fan of WWE and wrestling, so he he understands what the business is, so he's not trying to make it into a joke. But also, I don't understand what he is either. And maybe this is just me being old, and I don't know what's hip with the audience. But for some reason, this is connecting like with the audience. Like I know he had really good merchandise sales off WWE shop after the Royal Rumble because he was involved in that. Um, who I think is going to win, it's probably going to be Bad Bunny. That's the way they've been pushing this guy. He's the one that's hip with the audience. The Miz. Uh, I don't know. They could have had something going with him as champion again. He was that fiery, raged Miz, and then that turned into a joke of a reign. It was one week. Um, he's going to lose here, but... I'll let Brandon go off on, on, on the issues with this match. <sighs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a uh, this is an audio based podcast. Uh, I n- nothing against uh, Palace. I've had my face buried in the palm of my hands for the entire time that he was explaining this match because this. I'm about this is this is going to be probably a talking smack level promo that I'm about oh. to go off on the, on this match. Watch out. And and to you know to be fair, to be absolutely 100% fair, I do not have anything against Bad Bunny. I do not I mean no disrespect. I don't hate the guy. I don't even dislike him. But to be fair also, I if you put a gun to my head and ask me to rank bad bunnies top five songs besides the song that he obviously did with booker t that i don't even know the name of the damn song (laughs) i couldn't even name you a single bad bunny song let alone list five of them let alone rank them so i guess i'll see you all in another lifetime because (laughs) i i i'm sure as dead if you ask me to do that and and somebody out there who's probably got a probably got a hit on my head right now is oh well brandon that makes sense because you're you're a weekend chugger you're a big weekend it has nothing to do with the weekend (laughs) Maybe if maybe if Bad Bunny was good enough to I don't know get his music put on the the soundtracks of Fifty Shades of Grey, maybe I would have gotten to expose to him sooner. But yeah, I just don't know his music. Here's another reason why I'm mad about this match. Okay, uh. 
you have so uh, a while back, like maybe six weeks ago, tops. You had a talent by the name of Peyton Royce go on Raw Talk, and she cut a fantastic promo. She cut one of those promos where it's like, "Hey, why does everything have to be the same old, same old? Like, why do you have to keep pushing the same talent?" When I came from across the world and I, I sacrificed everything for this business and I can perform just as good, if not better than over 98% of the women that, that are on this roster. And yet you're just handing other ladies opportunity after opportunity. Talent like Peyton Royce, even champions, your, your SmackDown tag team champions don't have a spot on the card, but you're going to give a WrestleMania spot to bad bunny and i know that this is typical wwe style because we've had celebrity matches before in the past so i remember what was it wrestlemania 27 or 28 where like there was a there was like a six-man tag with trish stratus and, and john morrison and they had like snooki on their team for whatever reason mm. so celebrities being in matches you know that's that, that's that's been done before but at the same time, you you only have six matches each card, and there are talent that deserve to be at WrestleMania that that you're not even featuring. You're you're giving Bad Bunny the the you're really giving Bad Bunny his his money's worth here. Another reason why I'm frustrated with this match: Bad Bunny had the best build up, better than anybody else on this WrestleMania card. He had he was he was featured at the Rumble. He did his performance with Booker T. Then they had a, a falling out backstage segment with Miz and Morrison, and that's what kind of sparked the whole rivalry. You gave him, then you gave him a legitimate run with the 24-7 championship. Now, this is how I know that the championship, the 24-7 championship doesn't mean shit, okay? <laughs> because we have seen several different one-off people, uh, WWE legends who have won the, the 24-7 championship. Rob Gronkowski was a 24-7 champion. Rob Gronkowski is a decorated athlete, people. We're talking about a multi-time Super Bowl champion, a multi-time Pro Bowler. Rob Gronkowski ate a pin to lose a 24-7 championship. Bad Bunny didn't even eat a pin. Bad, you, you, you're telling me that you gave such good booking to Bad Bunny, who's not even a talent on your roster, that he's not even going to eat a pin to legitimately lose the 24-7 title? It's just going to be a silly backstage segment with, with R-Truth, like, oh, hey, I got WWE memorabilia. Can I have my title back? Oh, yeah, sure. Here you go. Like, <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then, and then yeah, you even brought up Damian Priest. Like, you call, you quote-unquote called up Damian Priest from NXT, which Damian Priest had a pretty good run going for him. And then you had him be this glorified bodyguard and this mouthpiece to, to Bad Bunny. He's he's not even in the match. He's managing. <laughs> what is this? This match make this match pisses me off. Again, nothing against Bad Bunny. And then you're making the Miz look like an absolute joke. You put the title on him for absolutely no reason other than to drop it to Bobby Lashley, who is very well deserving of a world title, but if the Miz is a believable champion when he had all of this going on, like yeah, no, Bad Bunny's gonna get the win. I've I've said my piece. God, this this match. Okay, I all right. I I have nothing else to say. God, Bad Jesus. Bunny's on the WrestleMania poster. Oh How's that? God, <laughs> freaking not even not even AJ Styles is on the poster. What's going on? 
They gave, they 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 literally they gave this man they rolled out the red carpet for this man. They gave him the I wonder why. What what is They I, gave him the best treatment. Am I out of touch? Is he that big in the music world? Uh, supposedly, I mean again, coming from me personally, I could not name you a single Bad Bunny song. I know who I know who the guy is. I've heard of him. He's been featured with other artists, uh but I mean I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> I know people are gonna want to give me shit. Well, weren't you a mark for Stephen Amell when he did his stint in WWE? Yeah, but he's an actor. You know, he has some athleticism background. He proved some stuff, like leading up to his match, that he could possibly go in there. Would it be the best match? Probably not. But he can do something. But Bad Bunny has. I haven't seen anything other than to get a one-on-one match. It'd be one thing if this was a tag match where you get Damian Priest involved. He probably does 90% of the match and then have Bad Bunny come in and do something. But one-on-one with The Miz at WrestleMania? And this is, for some reason, I feel like this match is going to go like 10, 15 minutes for some reason. Like they're going to give it time just to get all the eyeballs uh, on the on the, on the the Peacock Network to watch this. And uh, they're going to give Bad Bunny just a great WrestleMania moment here over The Miz. But, man, I... Out of everybody here, I feel bad for John Morrison as well, but I feel super bad for Damian Priest because this guy's not young in age either, and he's only he's already almost out of his prime. Yeah, and uh, he deserves better than this. This should have been a tag match, to be honest, because uh, if unless they've seen Bad Bunny in the ring and they know something we don't, uh, I don't I don't know how this is gonna end up well for anybody i don't know if i picked the winner yeah it's gonna be bad bunny and, and and also and also really quick think about what this has sparked too because you're starting to now that bad bunny from the music industry is is crossing over with with wwe you're starting to see like freaking soldier boy tell him going at it with with randy orton on twitter for for no reason and then you have what well, i think i saw somewhere bow like wow little bow wow wants to be tag team champions with ray mysterio like what is going on why don't we throw our names out there? Maybe WWE, maybe we'll get a shot at getting a storyline. Yeah, hey, hey, WWE, <laughs> if, if you're listening, if, if somebody, uh, if somebody on the board of directors is, is, you know, waking up, making their morning coffee and scrolling through different podcasts, uh, check out Palace Off the Top Rope. Uh, we've covered, uh, several different wrestling episodes. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we we know we we know more or less kind of what we're talking about here. So uh, again, give give your uh, give your boy here a, a sponsorship. Uh, sign him on to the Peacock Network, uh, Palace off the top rope, wherever get, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, what have you. Um, had to hit the had to hit the plug there for you, buddy. But so, it. yeah, let's uh, let's 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 get the let's get the build up and uh, let's let's have Palace uh, have one of the one of WWE's talents on the on the podcast and just have them go at it and then we'll build up to Palace versus uh, I don't know Palace versus the New Day in a, in a handicap match. Give me match. Xavier Woods in a match. I'll yeah, there take you him. go. Oh my god, this is going to get so much publicity and so much time. It's ridiculous. But let's move on. Uh, we got our two biggest matches of the night. First off, we got. Bobby Lashley defending the the almighty Bobby Lashley, right? The almighty WWE champion defending mm. against Drew McIntyre. And I don't remember exactly how Drew McIntyre got this match because, A, he didn't win the Royal Rumble, and B, wasn't the elimination chamber for the WWE title, I believe, or it was for a number one contendership, and he didn't win. That's how the, the Miz ended up winning the, the championship, I believe. Right, and I forgot what the weird booking to all of this was. But can you tell me how Drew McIntyre got this opportunity? 
I well, I think it's a uh, I think it's a right. I I don't really know television wise verbatim how he got it, but um, just just to clarify, the uh, the 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 elimination chamber. Excuse me, the elimination chamber pay per view. Uh, Drew McIntyre was in that match, and I think he did retain. Okay, so it was for the belt. So, okay. it, so it was for the belt. He retained, and then afterwards, because he was beaten, beaten and broken, that's when the Miz came out and crashed in. Um, so ever since that, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley kind of just came in. Which, wait, again, the, the the sour part of this is the booking was super rushed, and they completely ruined Bobby Lashley. They they did him wrong mm-hmm. because. Bobby Lashley was was a uh, he was part of the Hurt Business faction, which was one of the strongest factions that they had going on television for the longest time. Uh, Bobby Lashley was the United States champion, and he was just bodying people. I mean, he was ragdolling talent left and right, and just looking super strong and, and dominant. Then the Rumble came around. Uh, he lost the title, but he didn't lose it cleanly. It was a triple threat match because they randomly had like a battle royal <laughs> before the match card even started. And, and Morrison ended up inserting himself into this match with with Riddle, and uh, Riddle ended up pinning pinning Morrison. So Riddle's the United States Championship now. Uh, United States Champion now. Excuse me. Uh, Bobby Lashley then got just he got launched into the title picture randomly as soon as Miz won it. Like hey. Give me a title shot. And then again, just completely ragdolls Miz. Miz got his fair rematch uh, because rematch clauses, I think that's how the, how it works. Whoever the previous champion is should, I guess, have equal opportunity to, to, to get the first shot at it. Miz, I thought they had gotten away from that. Miz Didn't lost they, it. Hadn't the, I, don't know, I know there's no continuity in WWE these days, but I remember the authority, and this was, I mean, this was like a few years ago, I thought they had already eliminated as far as like champions not getting the immediate rematch clause but i don't know maybe they've brought that back in recently but they could have i don't i don't uh you may be onto something there i don't remember it ever going away that's just how it's always been you know previous champions get an immediate because that's that's how they build up feuds right right they they get the they get the immediate rematch so and, and plus to be fair what other you know what other talent are you going to Put into that title picture, Sands bringing in like a Goldberg or something to, to challenge to rival the the pure strength and athleticism that Bobby Lashley has. So Drew right. McIntyre just kind of makes sense to to put him in that spot for for a Mania match. But again, we've been talking about this, and I still and this is one. This is probably going to be the main event or one of the main events. How the hell did Drew McIntyre get this shot to begin with? I don't. How did he get? How is it? That we know more about what's going on with Bad Bunny. (laughs) Here we go again. As opposed to how this WWE Championship match came to be. I'm just trying to figure out how Drew McIntyre got the shot. Because I don't remember him seeing winning the number one contenders match or a gauntlet match or whatever. Maybe I missed something along the way, but... I don't uh, know how he's in the number one contender again. I I only know that at Fastlane he had that like that no holds barred match or that street with fight Sheamus, match right? with Sheamus, right? But it wasn't for anything. It was just a it, it was, yeah, it was just a blood feud. But I, again, I, I think that this is my theory. This is this is what I'm sticking with. I think it's just one of those kind of rematch clause deals where because Drew McIntyre got pinned by the Miz. Didn't really get a one-on-one opportunity with the Miz, so now Bobby Lashley is the champion, so he's kind of just cashing in that that okay. opportunity to, to kind of that's that's what I'm going to go with. That's the only logical sense that, it makes. I mean, yeah, that makes sense from a logical standpoint, but I don't know how WWE is going to explain it. But 
Maybe I, I, of course I'm thinking too much about it, but um. And then Bobby Lashley too. Again, they they ruined his character because he was looking so strong, and then all of a sudden, he's the champion now, and and he's got a he's 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 a cowardly champion. Yeah, he's he's, he's putting out a hit on on Drew McIntyre, <laughs> and, and here's the th- and, and here's the thing. He's putting out a hit. He goes into the locker room full of all of the full of all of the jobbers, the the people that you see every week running around doing a spot with R Truth for the twenty four seven title. Like all all you see them do is they they show up on camera and then they run a different direction. And, and you expect me to believe that one of these guys is gonna is gonna take out Drew McIntyre? Absolutely not. And then Baron Corbin of all people, out of I thought Baron Corbin was on SmackDown first of all. But now all of a sudden he's he's the hitman he's he's taking uh, out Drew McIntyre what is what is happening I don't know and something's scaring me about that Baron Corbin insertion that, that something tells me that this is not over again we're taping this on a Monday I think they're supposed to battle tonight because supposedly Corbin's supposed to take him out for good because if he does he'll get a WWE title shot yeah anything is possible but I know they're gonna stick with McIntyre versus Lashley as far as the winner of this match. This is set up to be Drew McIntyre's official, real, like, world title win with the crowd mm-hmm. in attendance. I think this is kind of why they're going this route of him not being the champion right now. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the audience might cheer Bobby Lashley. Am I, am I kind of wrong in saying that? Because he was kind of getting some momentum going his way. And wasn't he kind of playing the baby face against The Miz? Like, when he won the title, wasn't he, like, kind of, like, crying and being, like, he was showing yeah. off, like, if he was a baby face. I don't yeah. know. I found that to be very weird. I, I think uh, I think going into this, he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty much heel. I think the fans are gonna be split fifty fifty in terms of like cheering him and booing him, and then you're gonna hit the raw after Mania, and everybody's just gonna pop for him as soon as he comes out. Um, Bobby Lashley is a very deserving champion. He's he's been in the business for a very long time. He actually so this was during the uh, the latter part of the ruthless aggression era before it started turning PG, and then he kind of took a hiatus. He left the company and. He actually did professional fighting, like uh, mixed martial arts fighting, for a little bit. Did he do like Bellatar or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, uh, I, I want to say he signed with another wrestling promotion for a little bit too. I don't know if it was Impact or what have you, but I know he was wrestling. And then he got back into wrestling, and then he re-debuted back in 2018. Raw, raw again, Raw after Mania. I was after, there after 34. Um, he's always been kind of a. He had a small baby face run, but then ever since then, he's kind of always been a heel. Uh, he's better with a mouthpiece. So the, the the whole hookup with him and MVP is right. really good. I think I'm going to pick Drew McIntyre on this one as well, uh, just because I, I kind of like, even though right now it's not going in the best direction, I, I kind of think that this feud, I think that, that Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre feuding with each other kind of makes sense just because of how they balance each other out in terms of like they're these two big guys with uh, great athletic ability. They can match each other, you know, power for power, strength for strength, blow for blow. Um, unless with this, uh, unless with this billion dollar sale to the Peacock Network, uh, selling the WWE Network, unless you're going to use like millions of those dollars to bring back Brock Lesnar Raw after Mania. I think I see this being a very strong long-term feud that could be going for the next couple of pay-per-views, um, and, and and it's going to be very much a back-and-forth kind of deal. I agree with you there. Yeah, McIntyre, I'm picking him to win. They're going to give him his, for sure, crowning at this event, and then him and Lashley will go at it back and forth. I'll even see the title switching 
here and there. I don't know. They'll hot potato the title until they finally blow it off. Maybe, maybe even on a Raw because they've done that before. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. any more thoughts on this match? Mm. I, I kind of want to throw out a bold prediction that maybe Brock Lesnar could show up Raw after Mania, but there's really no no evidence that supports that it's kind of just i'm just kind of wildly throwing it out into the wind and speaking it into existence but other than that no i really don't have much to say else <laughs> real quickly remember last year after mcintyre won the title off brock lesnar i think it was like a five six minute match and then on raw the next night they show you that drew mcintyre defended the title again against the big show at wrestlemania so technically off air there was another match on wrestlemania and it was Drew McIntyre versus the Big Show. Was it was it off air at WrestleMania? Or was it, it was, just a, was it just a Monday Night Raw match? No, no, it was a WrestleMania match, but it was just off air. <laughs> so Jeez, it was just to prove like McIntyre's badass, you know, having beaten Brock Lesnar and then just beating another giant to top that off. Yep. I just that was a weird little thing that they did. <laughs> Made no sense. I didn't. I I, I, I thought I saw I saw it on Raw. I didn't know it was actually like a, a post WrestleMania kind of thing. That's yeah, weird. But it was okay. part of WrestleMania. So <laughs> wow, it was so weird. Um, all right, so we'll move off that match and we'll move on to what I hope is the main event of Night One, and that is for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It is Woo! Sasha Banks, the Boss, versus the EST of WWE, who someone I believe has been booked pretty well coming off. NXT, you know, they, she's translated real well into the main roster, and that being Bianca Belair, the Royal Rumble winner. So uh, I'll let you go first on this match. Uh, so going first, so talking about what sours me about this match is this this buildup should have written itself. Um, watching Bianca Belair win the Women's Royal Rumble, very deserving, very deserving of this opportunity. She is an amazing talent. I mean, she's got she's got strength, power, athletic ability. She she can talk. Mm-hmm. She can cut a promo on the mic. She is a phenomenal talent on the uh, on the women's roster. Um, after after winning the Royal Rumble, she had uh, she had a moment in the ring where she had an interview. They gave her her own WWE 24 documentary as well. Um, it makes sense for her to to get the win here. Um, the reason why it sours me, though, is because, again, this storyline should have written itself, but Sasha in, in but Sasha being challenged should have been seen coming a mile away. I think that's something that everybody could have called and predicted. But Sasha had this ongoing feud with uh, with Carmella for the for the title, and then you had this gentleman by the name of uh, oh my Reginald. God, Reginald. Yeah, his name escapes me. Who's like a modern day James Ellsworth. But less annoying. He's just kind of like a like a high class, like oh, I have the finest wine and the finest champagne kind of kind of guy. And he he leaves Carmella, and now he's now he's siding with Sasha Banks after Sasha has put him through the ringer a couple of times. They even had a match, a straight up one on one match before <laughs> um, on SmackDown. And so this this kind of turns into now Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks are a tag team. Which we've seen in the past with uh, John Cena teaming with his uh, WrestleMania opponents. He did it with Shawn Michaels before 23. They actually won the Raw uh, Tag Team Championships, or I think back then it was still called the World Tag Team Champions. Correct. Um, and then when he was feuding with The Miz for WrestleMania 27, he uh, he won the World 
tag team titles with the Miz. The the angle that they go with these storylines is obviously the challenger and the champion are not going to be tag team champions. Somebody's going to turn on somebody somewhere, and that's what's going to kind of cause the momentum and, and the heat for the match at, at Mania. But they really kind of beat this to a dead horse, and they milked this more than they should have. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks didn't even win the titles. They lost on several accounts because of this of these shenanigans with Reginald. And it got to a point where, again, the, the deadline kind of caught up to a mania is only a handful of weeks away, like literally two or three weeks away. And you finally have to have Sasha go, oh, you, you're you're interfering. You, you're you're costing us the, the chance to win the tag team titles. And then she turns on Bianca Belair and that's that's the that's the heat that we're building up to, to mania with um yeah that's that's terrible terrible booking it's lazy booking they really soured the, the build up to this match um as far as who i'm picking to win the logical answer is bianca belair however sasha's kind of been one of the top talents for a while and i know that vince loves sasha banks and uh they they kind of have this weird like back and forth where like sasha banks will tweet like oh thank you vince i I love you vince and and this that and the other with this being the first mania well since last year obviously with with this being the first mania since the pandemic that's actually going to be in front of a live audience i wouldn't put it past vince mcmahon if he wanted to say like oh ha 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 i want uh I want 55,000 fans or however many fans chanting bullshit uh, because I'm going to have Sasha Banks go over. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't put it past him to do that. Um, and then again, it, it, it honestly, this could honestly have the makings of a, of a long-term feud uh, because you could actually see an official Sasha Banks heel turn and then have her go with the back and forth uh, for the women's title with Bianca Belair. But because of the way that they've booked Bianca Belair, again, going back to her winning the uh, – winning the rumble and then having her own documentary and just having this this full swing of momentum i'm picking her to, to go over in this match so you got a uh, belair yep okay a couple things on this match you're totally right this thing should have been written so easily you got the royal rumble winner challenges a champion you don't have have any of this bullshit that you've had with the tag team titles and sasha already kind of turning heel or whatever no have them be the characters that they are and let's say we don't watch any of this buildup, because I'm, I'm sure WWE is going to do a tremendous job with this hype video, because that's all you need. All you need is the hype of what Sasha Banks has been with the company. You can show like a bunch of highlight reels of what she's done throughout her career, and then you can build up Bianca Belair. The EST built that shit up. She's throwing around tires and can pick up I don't know how many women at once, and all of these like little things. Like it's like this real big collision course of them meeting, kind of like a rock in Austin, like. They're total like, not they're not on that same level as far as like name no, notoriety, but in terms of like characters in the wrestling world, like that's that's an equal to Sasha Banks. Like you know, Sasha Banks versus Carmella's like whatever. We know Sasha Banks is the better wrestler, but we're waiting for someone to be like her equal. You know, other than like someone like Bailey, but you got this new up and comer who again is great on the mic. You know, Sasha Banks is good at the trash talk, but guess what? Bianca Belair can come back and you know. Go go toe to toe with her, so that's enough right there for the build. It's a classic, uh, you know, good guy versus well, you know, in your traditional good guy versus good guy type matchup. But that's all you need. Like you don't need any of this other crap. That's just gonna make you like scratch your head and saying like, why are they doing this? Like this, make it about them, and that's it. Um, as far as like a winner, 
I go back to a classic Paul Heyman line right before the Rock Austin match at Mania X7, which I just covered with Raul Flores, which you can listen to right now, folks. Um, there's a line that Paul Heyman says as this match is before it happens. It's like, both men need to win and neither man can afford to lose. And I feel like we're in this type of situation because if you have Sasha lose, it's like, man, like you were just building her up to, this is like the best work of her career that she's been doing. Mm-hmm. This is the longest reign that she's had. You can kind of deal, keep going with that momentum, have her be like the face of the women's division for a while. Uh, even build it up to something with like Becky returns or something like that, if it happens. But then you got Bianca Belair. If she loses, you're building her up as this next big star. And then you have her take the pin. What does that do for her? We all remember Rhea Ripley last year was on this tremendous role leading up to that Mania match and, with Charlotte uh, and, Flair. And Shayna Baszler. Both yes, of them. Both of them. And they all, they both got beaten. And then after that, they've, they've kind of gone back to square one. We're going to talk about Rhea Ripley later on in the show. But she's been kind of nothing since that since that match last year. She's had to rebuild from the start. And I don't want to see that happen to Bianca Belair as well. So I'm kind of like at, at odds here on who I think should win because I think they both uh, – could do something here obviously this this has long-term storyline potential and this is probably what they're going to do this is not going to be a one-off um i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with a weird heel turn here i'm gonna say sasha wins Mm -hmm. they shake hands hug whatever and bianca beats the shit out of her at the end of the match i don't know why Mm. i see that weird booking i'm just thinking from wwe's vince mcmahon standpoint where he's gonna want to Maybe kill off Bianca's little momentum. Right. Have her be the heel and then kill her off down the road. That's just, I, I'm, I'm thinking from WWE's mindset. So I'm going to go with Sasha Banks retaining. But if it's the main event, I don't know. I don't think you could have an ending like that. You want to end it with fireworks and, you know. Right. You know, going back to Bianca Belair's amazing promo at the Royal Rumble, which mm-hmm. got you behind her because it was so genuine. Yes. Her crying and like just, you know, like something you hadn't seen a promo like that from a wrestler in a very long time where it wasn't robotic and scripted and like, oh, like, you know, by the motions. It was total character, total like from the heart and not character. It was just her being her. So I don't know. Could go either way, but I'm going to go with WWE booking and they'll have that that finish. I, I that that honestly I wouldn't be mad at that either because I think uh having a having a heel Bianca Belair, I think she could carry herself very oh, well for sure. as as a heel. Um this one, uh s- similar thoughts. I, I forgot to say the good thing about this match. So similar thoughts to the to the Cesaro and Rollins match. This should be an absolute clinic. Uh both women know how to work, uh and they work exceptionally well, uh apart from each other and with each other. So I could see this being a fantastic wrestling match, uh, despite the finish. However, it goes out. Um, to your point, I, I think it would be really interesting. I, I'm actually very interested to see how that would play out if that was going to be the way that they were going to book it. But it would, it, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't tarnish either either person's character. It would, it would have a lot of continuity to it, and uh, I have full confidence in, in uh, Bianca Belair's heel work as, uh, in addition to her babyface work. So. Here, here's the last thing I'll say about it. Whoever takes the pin, you know, whatever, it's the follow-up to it. Right. So if it ends up being shit, then it's like, well, what was the point of having that person lose or whatever? So it, I think it's all going to depend on what the follow-up is to this. Because we know the match is going to deliver. They're all, they're both the full package. Uh, can I just state for the record, I love Bianca Belair's theme song. I just I always get pumped whenever I hear it. So she's got all that going for her. Uh, I, I can't wait. I really do, do hope it does end the night one show, even though Drew McIntyre does deserve 
to have that real main event slot because he's he's been through the ringer and you know he's done his he's done his time to like earn that spot so but the women have also earned it too so uh this wouldn't be a bad opportunity to let the main event again um that's night one folks let's take a quick break here when we come back we'll we'll wrap it up with night two and uh an interesting question that brandon posed to me off air that i'm gonna answer and uh yeah we'll, we'll talk more about that here with Brandon McLaughlin, uh, this is a preview to WrestleMania 37, streaming live this Saturday and Sunday on the Peacock Network. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Alright folks, welcome back to the show. We're discussing WrestleMania 37 in a two-night event, and we just covered uh, all of part one, so it's time to transition into night two, which will be airing Sunday, along with that awesome Austin and Jericho Broken Skull Sessions, which we're all going to be, you know, licking our chops with anticipation, but let, let we got some matches to talk about, so um, night two, Brandon, we're going to kick it off, uh, this is going off of Wikipedia, uh, so I'm just listing these as they're ranked on the website um we open up with riddle defending the united states championship against sheamus for some reason sheamus is always getting a, a push of some kind i don't get it um you want to start us off uh i i will uh and this uh the souring thing about this one is this one was one of those storylines that just felt super rushed i guess if you if you kind of wanted to throw some logic in there or if you wanted to justify it in a way that makes sense um it, you can date it all the way back to uh this previous year's uh survivor series where team raw had a clean sweep which was That's unseen right. or unheard of uh prior to this against uh team smackdown and uh you know riddle ever since he his debut on the the quote-unquote on the main roster I know that it, it's kind of hard to, to take yourself out of the mindset of, of NXT being like a developmental show and, and saying using terms of like, oh, calling up or, uh, you know, going back down or, or what have you when you're comparing it to like Raw and SmackDown. But ever since Riddle's debut on the main roster on SmackDown sometime summer of last year, he's kind of been very comical. They, they've made him into this like goofy uh stereotypical like stoner surfer bro kind of thing which i mean i i know he's i know he's the ultimate bro but kind of like a modern rob van dam a little bit where he's always just chill and hey yeah. hey man what are you so mad about like it, yeah it, exactly except he's he's kind of got like these goofy promos where he's like oh i i got this i got this idea man where <laughs> check it out we, we could have these tortilla chips and and then and then we put we put flavoring on them. And they're shaped like triangle. They're shaped like triangles, and we can call them broitos or, or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Something to that effect. It, it, he's his his bro gimmick has kind of been the thing, but it's been it's been one of the goofiest things that that you see on that you could possibly see on TV. Um, so building up to so going back to the Survivor Series, building up to it, he's he's part of the Raw team, and, and he's kind of joking around with everybody, which everybody is like. I want to say everybody's essentially a heel because you have AJ Styles, <laughs> you have Braun Strowman, you have uh, Sheamus, and then you have well, you have Keith Lee, which Keith Lee is kind of a babyface at this point too. But 
you know, he's just kind of funning around with everybody, poking fun and giving everybody code names or nicknames. And he's calling Seamus Fireface because, of course, he's taking shots at the fact that Seamus is blatantly red haired. Um, which, which, by the way, uh, Palace off the top rope does not uh, does not encourage, uh, nor does he condone any type of stereotyping or anything of that nature. So <laughs> disclaimer. But anyway, this is what this character is doing, and, and Seamus is kind of getting red hot, no pun intended. But he's he's kind of like, stop calling me Fireface. I don't like it. So if you want to date it all the way back to that, that kind of makes sense. But this is again out of nowhere. Seamus is just. Because after after Survivor Series, everybody kind of disbanded and kind of started doing their own thing, and then Sheamus kind of played the buddy buddy with uh, McIntyre, which kind of made you think that well maybe Sheamus could build up with McIntyre at WrestleMania and they could be WrestleMania opponents for the world title, uh, but they they killed that off very quickly, and then all of a sudden you have a backstage segment where Sheamus just goes oh hey Riddle yeah I hate you now, um, <laughs> so that's that's where they went with this storyline I feel. Um, Riddle just won the world title at, uh, again, or not the world title, the United States title, excuse me, at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I think they're gonna give, I think they're gonna give him the pin on this one. I, I think, uh, granted, this has not been, they have not been performing in front of a live audience, but I think if you give a live audience, I think a lot of people are gonna be behind Riddle. Um, so I, I think you, I think you build his character a little bit, um, and, uh, you give him the rub. You you let him retain against Sheamus. Uh, if Sheamus loses, I don't see it diminishing Sheamus's character in any way, shape, or fashion. Like like Sheamus has already built his, he he's built a, a relatively decent career. Um, and and he's got a lot going for him. He he can bounce back from this easy. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe at some point in the match, Riddle will do something silly like. I don't know, say his mother's name is Martha, and then they'll become best bros or something. Um. <laughs> Which, uh, which, which is indicative to Batman v Superman, which you can catch, uh, Tyler Bishop with Robert Palacios on the most recent episode where they discuss the Snyder Cut only on Palace Off the Top Rope. Hitting that, uh, hitting that plug there. Love it. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick, uh, Riddle with this one. Other than that, I really don't have a whole lot of notes or thoughts for this match. I'm going with Riddle as well. This is the kind of match where, like, they're two good workers. I mean, as much as I'm over the Seamus character, but, you give these guys 10 15 minutes you'll see them sweating you know some hard hitting some good chops um i don't think we're gonna get that at mania this will probably be a throwaway match towards like the end of the night getting getting ready for the main event it'll get like five six minutes but riddle should go over huge here he's the the younger talent um i don't know if mcmahon digs this character i don't know if you saw the what was supposed flub but it turns out it wasn't uh riddle was doing his promo or backstage segment with oscar and he's talking to her about something and he just right off looks at a character he's like never mind like he forgot what he was going to say and he just walks off air and oscar's kind of just like what the hell's going on and it played off perfectly because it it works for the character but but it turns out it it wasn't a shoot it was just it was planned so i think mcmahon kind of likes his goofy character but he's a good wrestler riddle i really like the the wrestling part of him but this is a guy that wants to fight brock lesnar you can't if you want to build up a good character, like you're not that type of that shit won't work against Brock Lesnar. Right. Um, I mean, you can stand toe to toe with him in the ring, but character development and promo work like that, no. Yeah, this is going to be a throwaway match, but if it's given time, it should be good. But yeah, I'm going with Riddle here, and uh, we'll move on. Uh, next up is a match that should be good on its own with the two wrestlers and, and their characters and their long storied history. 
but again, this is part two of our celebrity involvement uh, of WrestleMania. It's Kevin Owens, K- KO Mania 5 versus Sami Zayn with Logan Paul. Uh, this is one of those feuds that was thrown together last minute. Um, kind of, it really doesn't make any sense. But also, like, you have these long storied characters, like, that tells it in itself. Um, what else do you want to say about this? I haven't picked a winner yet. I'm still thinking about it. Um, I feel like when I, when I saw this match, um, I'm actually going to go in reverse here. So the thing that I like about it is, again, uh, you have these two guys who not only have they, – they know each other pretty much like the back of their hands because this dates back to their time in uh, Ring of Honor, uh, you know, Kevin Steen versus El Generico. They, they can work with each other very well. They know how to put together an excellent wrestling match, uh, kind of, uh, again, similar to how I feel about Belair versus Banks, similar to how I feel about, uh, Cesaro versus Rollins. This is going to be an absolute clinic. They're, they're going to do this. This is going to be an absolute fantastic wrestling match from start to finish. Talking about the build up to this, I, I kind of felt like this was WWE going back to the well, uh, in, in sort of a sense, because why why is it always when when we see uh when we see Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens uh at, at least as of recently when they're doing heel work why is it always some sort of like conspiracy against them because if you remember uh WrestleMania 34 they had uh they were a tag team and they they tag team against uh Daniel Bryan and, and Shane McMahon who were the general general manager and the commissioners of SmackDown during mm-hmm. that time and the the storyline behind it was like, oh, Shane McMahon and and uh, and Daniel Bryan are holding us back. They don't want to see us in the main title picture. Like obviously they have something against us. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a quote unquote. It's a conspiracy. And so again, now you have uh, Sami Zayn. That's that's kind of pulling that same stunt, except he's kind of taking it the extra mile where he's he's doing this. The, he's doing these weird spots where he's got his own camera crew and he's making this like documentary and, and now he's involving uh, the likes of uh, Logan Paul into the match. Um, another major difference here too is uh, you actually have Sami Zayn playing the heel and Kevin Owens playing the babyface, which usually it's uh, the other way around. Usually Correct. Kevin Owens is, is playing the heel. Um, yeah, this, this match was super weird. Uh, I think... The match will overcome the booking, right? The match will overcome the booking for sure. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure who you would pick for a winner here because I don't know what the long term build afterwards would be. Uh, obviously, I think I think Sami Zayn would would continue on with with his angle of like conspiracies and and WWE or uh, you know management or corporate has it out for him. But Kevin Owens hasn't really been doing much as of late. Right. Um, he's. I mean, I mean, yeah, he he had his his world title feud with uh, with Roman. Uh, he was good in that, by the way. Like he was really good. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, now he's here. A year prior, he was feuding with uh, with Rollins, and I couldn't tell you what push he got from that, or I don't recall him being in any sort of involvement with the WWE title. So it's it's kind of it kind of begs the question what are they doing with kevin owens and where does he go from here uh i kind of want to pick him to get the win uh because maybe that will show some promise of uh okay pushing him going forward uh but i wouldn't be mad if if Sami Zayn got the win and if Sami Zayn does get the win this is kind of one of those where 
I think Logan Paul is going to have some sort of involvement with the match, mm. um, and it's and it's going to cause interference, which is going to distract Owens, and that's that's what we're going to see. This is going to be one of those things where, yeah, Sammy gets the win, but you know Kevin Owens ends up stunning like both of them at some point, and right. he ends up walking away, you know, with his head held high. Um, I think I think Kevin Owens should win here just because it continues that story of Sammy conspiring, being conspired against, and he can continue with that. Because he's only unleashed a trailer for what his documentary is supposed to be. We're supposed to still see what the actual film is going to be, whether there's a payoff to that or not. Can't really trust WWE's booking at this point, but that one's kind of been going for a while, so I feel like they're going to continue it. Kevin Owens, man, that's... I don't... I feel so bad for him because he's the total package, can talk, can wrestle. Um, Anything that you give him and he makes the best out of it, but this is a guy that should... It should be one of your top stars, like, already for the last couple of years. Uh, they kind of, they blew it by taking the title off him to put on Goldberg a few years ago. Right. When he was having his feud with Jericho. Like, that should have been, the Jericho-Kevin Owens match at Mania should have been for the Universal Championship. That's what it was leading to. But of course, you know, McMahon being McMahon, just, I don't, I don't know what it is that he has against Kevin Owens, cause, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know if you remember the, the 365, show that they did with Kevin Owens where I think it was after that match with Jericho, he goes backstage to Gorilla and he goes to Vince McMahon and Kevin Owens is like, are we good? And Vince McMahon was just kind of like, nah, like that wasn't good. Like, you know, kind of like go away. And it's like, man, I feel bad for Kevin Owens because he puts in the work and, you know, I like him better as a heel, but, you know, he's made it work as a baby face and adding the stunner to his repertoire like helps him as well. But yeah, he needs to win here because if he loses, like, I don't know, just... I don't see them doing anything with him. It's not his fault. This is not a Cesaro situation. Yeah. This is a guy like we give the ball to Kevin Owens, he's gonna run with it. Right. So it's just giving him that opportunity. But I'm hoping I'm pulling for an Owens win. It should be a fantastic match. It'll be one of those where we get a fight forever chant, which is synonymous with them mm-hmm. whenever they're like oh, yes. they're doing the simultaneous punching of the head. So yeah, it'll be fun. Um got any more thoughts on this? Uh other than kind of just readdressing your previous point, I, I didn't see that that 365 documentary. I think I might have heard or caught wind of it on a podcast somewhere, mm-hmm. or, or somebody was talking about it. I, I know exactly what you're referring to of, of how he he wanted to look impressive, but Vince kind of just blew him off. Um, I I completely agree with with. Again, kind of going off of what's going to happen next if, if Kevin Owens doesn't win because he hasn't really done, we haven't really seen much out of him, uh, in, in recent years. So, uh, aside from the fact that he had somewhat of a push again when he was rivaling, uh, Roman, uh, which, if I'm being 100% honest, didn't really make much sense, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they found a, they found a way to, to, to make it work and make it believable, uh, which is just Kevin Owens in a nutshell, but, yeah, I, I don't know what you're doing with him. I don't know what you're doing with this character, but this is a guy that deserves to be utilized. Uh, and that's kind of my closing statement on that. Cool. All right, we'll move on. Next up is uh, my favorite championship, but a title that's kind of been just whatever for the last, I don't know, decade or so. Uh, it's for the Intercontinental Championship. It is Big E defending against Apollo Cruz. Now, this is interesting because I was on Wikipedia the other night and they had stated it on SmackDown as well. This is supposed to be a Nigerian drum fight? Whatever the hell that is. Mm. And it was listed on here on Wikipedia, but now as I loaded the page again, 
Now it just says singles match for the Intercontinental Championship. So I don't know if they're going to drop this thing or if they're going to go forward with it. But basically what the match is, it's an ODQ match because I was like, man, they better explain what this is. And Apollo Crews was uh, saying how there's there's no no disqualifications or whatever. And so I was like, oh, cool. So basically an ODQ match. But there was nothing really specified as to what, if there was anything special about it. Now, in terms of like, you know, a Punjabi prison match right. that looked different or a kennel from hell or whatever. They didn't really state that there was supposed to be anything different about it. But it's not listed here anymore, so I don't know. Maybe they might drop it. Um, I would prefer for it to be a regular match. I don't think they need a gimmick just yet because um, this is a feud that's been going on since Fastlane, I believe, where they had a botched finish. Uh, so there's like kind of unfinished business between these two. Um, what are your thoughts on the new Apollo Crews character that's kind of doing like this Wakanda-like character? I mean, I'm not trying to put any offense on the... You know, the nationality is like, I like that Apollo Crews finally has like some type of character. So, but what are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I like it. I like the, I like the presentation of it. Um, so far, everything about his character is looking very good and it, it it's definitely a great compliment to, uh, to Big E. Uh, Big E finally getting, uh, a singles run. He's, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of dispatched himself from the New Day. I, I mean, they, they kind of did that when they did the brand split and they, they finally split him up. Um, he still kind of has like a, like a sillier side to him. I never actually got around to watching his WWE 24 documentary. I want to though. I'm, I'm very much interested in watching it. Uh, but I know that, um, he, he's gone on record somewhere. It might have been on the New Day podcast. It might have been, uh, after the bell with Corey Graves, but I, I do know that he's gone on record somewhere saying that, um, it, for his singles run, he doesn't want to be the same old kind of just I'm, I'm I'm a big guy because he's he's big, he's got size, he's got strength, he's also got athleticism. He's he's very athletic. Um, he doesn't, as far as his promo work is concerned, he doesn't want to be just Mister Serious all the time. He's he still wants to show that he can be a big strong character, but he can have a little bit of goofiness about him. Right. Um. So this this Apollo Cruz heel turn is is very very much a good compliment to that. Um. And this is something that a good friend of ours, uh, Devon, Devon Ravzi, who uh, I off the air a couple of days ago um, was was talking about this with. Uh, this is something that uh, he wants to see long term in, in terms of uh, Apollo Cruz's heel work. Um, maybe even have it go to like a, not necessarily a long term feud, but have it go to the next pay per view um, and just kind of have a back and forth a little bit for the uh, for the Intercontinental Championship and. Uh, I, I actually do really want to see Big E fight for the, the world title at some yep. point. Uh, Big E is, is kind of due for that. Uh, Big E is also kind of one of those where he's kind of next next in line to being a Grand Slam champion. He's just one world championship away, but Big E's got uh, – he's got his char- – I, I, don't, I don't want to compare his promo work to Cesaro's, but – He's got more of a personality to his oh, character. For sure. when, when you think of Big E, you know who Big E is. 100%. Like, like you know what he's all about. So he's got that going for him. Um, and I and I think that Big E is uh, he could be somebody that that could be a good compliment to to Roman. He's actually somebody that that's a that's a believable talent to stack against Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to not trying to get ahead of us here. Not trying to spoil anything, but I'm just I'm just going on record and saying that that Big E deserves that that world title shot as far as who's going to win this match uh for for mania um 
uh, kind of wishful thinking, but if, if that's if that's kind of where I'm taking it, if, if that's how I'm seeing this play play out, or if that's how I would book it, I, I would see Apollo Cruz going over, uh, and then Biggie at some point getting his rematch, possibly at the next pay per view. But I think I think Apollo can can win this one, and and, and it wouldn't hurt Biggie. Biggie can still have a, have a pretty fantastic singles run, and I, I think there's a lot of potential uh, with how you could use Biggie's character going forward from here. I'll agree with you there. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick uh, Cruz as well. Um, Biggie. I looked back. I think it was like 2014, 2015. Had just won the Intercontinental title, and we're here in 2021, and he's again barely just winning the Intercontinental title again. It's like this guy's paid his dues. He's got the character. He's got the wrestling ability. Let's give him a chance to to get a world title or a main event level push. I think he's he's ready for that next that next spot. So yeah, this would be a good way to transition him out of the Intercontinental title. Uh, picture. Yes, you can have the rematch, but then have Apollo Cruz with that belt and give him a good reign. And right. And uh, this is this is good for Apollo Cruz as well because he can start developing other stars and while building his Nigerian character. Uh, do you think it ends up being that little gimmick match that I just told you, or do you think they drop it? Because again, um, it's not on here anymore. So, well, uh, uh, as as you had stated on the air as a reminder to the to the audience that's listening to this if you're still awake <laughs> um but uh we're we're airing this uh on a monday afternoon so raw hasn't even monday night raw hasn't even happened yet so we still have the smackdown before mania literally the night before and so i think that anything could happen on that show uh whether they will or won't i i don't think that it need a uh, to your point, I don't think that it needs to be so gimmicky. Mm. If they are going to throw it in there last minute, I, I really hope that they do a good job of explaining what exactly that means. Because I, I mean, we've we've had you know in 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 the most recent years, in the past couple of years, like 2019, 2018, we've had like uh, those uh, like the Symphony of Destruction matches, oh, yeah, where yeah. you know it had like the New Day or it had like Braun Strowman. And, uh, they're, they're fighting their opponents and they're, they're hitting each other with like actual instruments so that they could kind of play onto that where they're just hitting each other with this drum. Uh, and then it's essentially just a no disqualification match, but you have like a special, I guess, I guess a special yeah. or you, uni- uh, a unique drum. Um, I don't think it needs it to say whether it will or won't happen. It's kind of one of those, uh, they're, they're probably going to have to, to explain it on SmackDown. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those because I was looking at, uh, night one, and you got the the steel cage match. That's a gimmick. Um, and on night two, you don't really have anything. So I don't know if they were trying to spice up just having like some type of like gimmick type match. I hope they don't. I think they're good enough to just have a good wrestling match. And I think the crowd will be into this one for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So I got Cruz. You got Cruz. Let's move on. Um, next up is a <laughs> is a match that has had a pretty long feud weird feud um and all these shenanigans have happened people getting lighted lighted on fire people spitting out black goo oh my god and this is all going to culminate into a wrestling match that's is that's how this is going to be settled and i'm talking about the fiend bray wyatt with alexa bliss who's been a huge part of this feud versus randy orton uh, i'll let you go first on this one i want i really want to hear your thoughts on this oh one. boy Randy Orton's another one of your guys. So. Yeah, yeah. I hmm. Where do I start with this one? Um, 
I, I guess I'll start with The Fiend here. So The Fiend, you know, formerly known as The Fiend Bray Wyatt, formerly known as Bray Wyatt, uh, WWE hasn't been too kind with his booking. And kind of similar to how you were talking about with Kevin Owens, the uh, Bray Wyatt is somebody that, uh, especially when he was kind of embracing this, uh, you know, this very cryptic and and kind of mind game type of uh, of character when he had the white when he was running with the Wyatt family for the longest time. Like he has great promo work. He he really plays into his character very well. And then you turned him into this like this monster, like this this Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of guy, uh, where. Bray Wyatt's like a like a super Bray Wyatt himself is like a super happy go lucky fun loving he's like a he's got a, a children's show uh <laughs> kind of, kind of thing the the Firefly Funhouse but then he's also got a dark side which is the fiend which is this very demonic monsterish type character uh you can kind of compare it to like a modern day almost like a modern day Kane and Undertaker kind of a kind kind of a, a blend between the two there um if this was if this was a year ago, I could see this being something very like cinematic-y, kind of like how that Firefly Funhouse was, which was a that man they they really stole the show with that match. They they did that excellent. But here's uh, the thing: they've done a cinematic match before. Kind of remember the House of Horrors, match? the House of Horrors match. Yeah, but they they <laughs> they did better with the Firefly Funhouse match For than sure. they did with that with the House of Horrors match. Uh, this one being at Mania, this one being in front of the live uh, audience, they really can't get away with that uh, as much. I don't. You 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 had an angle where you set this guy on fire, and <laughs> I mean the 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 fiend Bray Wyatt won the Universal Title at one point because he he went over Rollins uh, back in 2019. Then you had him drop the belt to Goldberg. <laughs> it's it's. You, what what are you doing with Bray Wyatt? It, you know how is if if Bray Wyatt goes over in this match, you have you literally have a character that looks like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of cross over to your neck of the woods here uh, because I remember what it was like back in the day, but it's kind of like Bray Wyatt looks like that uh, that kernel of popcorn when when you that's been caked onto the popper for too long and then it finally comes out and yeah. it's just like this burnt blackened piece that sits at the bottom of the warmer <laughs> until it's closing time and you're cleaning it out. You're, you're, you're going to have this guy try to like, how are you going to promote him? How are you going to push that? How are you going to try to lunge him into any sort of world title picture looking like that? And I know that looks aren't everything. I know that it's not always about superficiality, but, but man, and then, and you got Randy Orton, who's, uh, he's, He's been around for a while now. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a legend in his own right. Um, you kind of have him going with this this silly feud after feuding with Drew McIntyre for the longest time. Now, now Randy Orton, I think, win or lose, Randy Orton has had, I think you can agree on this, some of his best character work that, that we have oh, seen in his sure. years. He has been very committed to everything that he's done. Even so, even to your point, like the whole angle where he's watching he's talking to himself on a, on a television <laughs> monitor and then he spits up some kind of black goo. Um, I don't know. Are they, are they going to, how this can, my, my, my question is how are they going to finish this match? Are we going to just start setting people on fire in front of a live audience or like, how, how is this going to go? That's, that's kind of my biggest thing here. Yeah. I know we're taping again. We're taping this on a Monday. Monday night raw has yet to air. 
there's no way this can be a straight up wrestling match after everything that has gone down, you know, with, I mean, you, what was the match at TLC that they had where he lit him on fire? Was it just a, was it a Firefly Funhouse match or was it, or was it just a match and that's just how it ended? Or it was like an infernal type match, wasn't it? Or something like that? I believe. It might have, it might, uh, I, I know that they had an inferno match. I don't know if that was that same instance or if, if we're talking about two separate occurrences here off the top of my head. I'll be 100% honest. It may have been, uh, it may have just been a, it may have just been a straight up one on one match. And then at the end of it, he just kind of beat down the fiend and set him on fire just to kind of, <laughs> just to kind of like, like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to show that I'm the ultimate. I'm the ultimate apex predator. I'm, I can play the the worst head games with people, and I'm going to get rid of the fiend once and for all. And I'm just going to kill him. And folks listening to this, if you haven't seen any of this, like we're not saying like he lit him on fire like just his arm. Like we're talking like he burnt them to a crisp. Like. Yeah, he, he was full on <laughs> on fire, quote yeah. unquote. He was full on on fire. And even the way he looks now, like I don't know how he can even wrestle in that. Like that's just like you you did a perfect description of the popcorn kernel i know that it was comical but that's exactly what he looks like now like they show the hype this match has a commercial for it and like you see randy orton the clean cut like very legendary status type wrestler and then you see the picture next to it and it's like what is he doing in this like what what this has no business being like a a really big like wrestlemania storyline like there's no way this can be a wrestling match and i I have to believe they have to add something to it, even if it's just no holds barred, because it can't be a straight up wrestling match after everything that's happened. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, who are you picking to, who are you picking to win? So I actually, so before I get, so before I answer that, I actually just had a scary thought. Uh, it, it's shaking me to my core just thinking about it. I, my, my stomach is turning. I could maybe not so much, uh, put a put a gimmick on it so maybe not maybe not make it like a gimmick match like a like an old holds barred or something or hell in a cell or what have you but add a stipulation to where oh my god if if i could see i could totally see uh what is it alexis playground or like what what does she call her own she has her own segment oh, right does she is it is it still the firefly funhouse I think or does she, she have does like Ale- alexis playhouse i think it's the firefly funhouse but she just has her own little swing set. yeah her own little swing. I, could, I could see alexa cut because obviously the fiend isn't going to talk so uh alexa bliss is kind of using her uh you know, she's kind of his mouthpiece she's she's doing all the promos she's doing all the talking i can see this where it's like randy <laughs> if the fiend beats you when the fiend kills you at wrestlemania you're gonna join the firefly funhouse and we can see randy orton start doing this silly gimmicky work where he's like a character on the firefly funhouse i'd be down for that oh my god I, <laughs> no not me i don't want to keep that separated <laughs> we've seen that song and dance before we know what's gonna happen or does he vanish him like John Cena? Maybe he does. They do some gimmick thing where he they burn Randy Orton alive and they write him off TV for a very long time and he'll come back months later as something else. Now here's here's a second thought. Here's here's another thought that I'm having too because um I think uh I mean I mean Alexa Bliss has been doing a lot of great work. She's very committed to this character and she plays it very well. Alexa Bliss is another one of those amazing top talents that can just do it all and uh she's been in the top spot, you know, for several years uh having multiple having won multiple world titles, the the women's world title. Um 
another another option that they could do this year is is I could see Alexa Bliss playing into the finish, and I could see it. I, here's how I could see the the finish breaking down. She's going to have some sort of involve, uh, involvement, and obviously she has like a like there's like a sentiment uh, connected to her and the the fiend. Like obviously the fiend has a has a soft spot for her, which is kind of we've seen last year on on SmackDown, which is kind of what drove her into the situation that she's in now. It's going to get to a point where she's going to be crouched down or she's going to be on the ground in the ring and she's going to be in perfect position to set up for Randy Orton to do his infamous punt kick. Mm-hmm. And he's either A, going to miss or the Fiend is going to catch him or B, he might actually punt Alexa Bliss and pick up the win because the Fiend is going to be so distraught and distracted that he's just going to catch him with an RKO from out of nowhere. That's total Vince booking right there. And, <laughs> and maybe kicking Alexa Bliss in the head will kind of kick this character out of her and maybe we'll see like a like a normal Alexa Bliss and and she kind of gets like a like a some sort of face turn or heel turn where she's now going against the fiend or she's kind of just like okay I I I've I've been snapped out of reality I don't want to go back into that world like I'm I'm terrified of the fiend like save me kind of thing or get pushed back into the world title pictures somehow I I don't know. That's that's just another thought. It it doesn't tell. It doesn't exactly explain who I'm picking. It's just these are different ways that they could possibly go about this. My heart wants me to pick Randy Orton, just because I I, I don't really care for the Fiend. I'm over his gimmick. Like we get it. Like you're undestroyable. Like you're unkillable. Like we get it. Get Randy Orton out of this thing already. Like he doesn't need to be involved in the supernatural stuff. Um, I want him to win, but I can see the Fiend has to get some some type of revenge because it's been all. I know they've been playing mind games with Randy Orton, but for the most part, Randy Orton has gotten the upper hand on everything. Yeah, except for Fastlane, I think Alexa Bliss pinned him, right? I believe. No, <laughs> no, no. Of- Fastlane was Fastlane was what ended, or not what ended, but Fastlane was the reemergence of of the Fiend. So who won that match? Was it Bliss or Orton? I think it was a no finish. Oh, was I think, it? Okay. I think uh, yeah. So we had Alexa Bliss. Uh, there's that scene where she's sitting on the top rope, and uh, you have the Fiend coming out of the ring, mm-hmm. and then Randy Orton turns around and he hits him with Sister Abigail. Oh, okay, okay, all right. So, so, so maybe maybe Alexa Bliss did pin him after that. I don't think she did. I think it ended in a no finish. But if that's what happened, if there was a finish, then it was probably Alexa uh, Alexa Bliss that won won the match. So, you, are you picking uh, Randy Orton as well? Oh wait, no, I'm going with the Fiend. Sorry. Are you going with Randy Orton? That's that's really hard. That's I'm I'm gonna go with Randy Orton. I, I I gotta go. I gotta I gotta let my bias show in this one. That's that's really all I have going for me with with this pick. Or um, there could be a no finish too. That's also a possibility. At at a WrestleMania with at a WrestleMania for the first time since the pandemic in in front of a live crowd. I don't, well, I don't think so. That could be overshadowed if they do something big like like a like a light Randy Orton on fire or something like that. That that could overshadow the no finish if they do something wacky afterwards. I mean, it's possible. Possible, yeah. Maybe maybe like maybe maybe a spot, maybe a high spot. Maybe they they fight all the way up the entrance ramp and like Randy Orton catches him in an RKO, but he RKOs him off of the stage and, and down to like you, you know the spots that they do where they they land in, in the production area and they they go through several tables and there's several wires and it's like sparking electricity going oh, on down there. Yeah. Maybe one of those deals. I could see that. Because because again, if if the fiend 
if the if the fiend picks up the win, he got he gets his revenge. What's what's his booking after that? There's no long term promise to that. Randy Orton win or lose, Randy Orton can. Randy Orton's flexible because right. again he's a, he's a veteran. So if you want to launch him into the the world title picture, he can he can carry that. Or if you just want him to have some. I don't know random feud with with somebody else. He he can do that as well. So he's he's pretty he's pretty flexible. He's pretty well tenured. Win or lose, he, you know he's he's at least got something going for him. The fiend, you you haven't really seen you, you haven't really you, WWE hasn't really been too kind to the fiend. WWE hasn't really been too kind to Bray Wyatt's character. Period. Um, you, you know, and, and maybe maybe Bray Wyatt will go over maybe because. You kind of see the you kind of see the storybook tale of when before he was even Bray Wyatt when he was Husky Harris with the with the new Nexus deal yeah um, and uh, CM Punk was the leader of the new Nexus and Randy Orton was feuding with CM Punk and you just have Randy Orton running through the entire Nexus team and he punt kicks uh, he punt kicked Husky Harris in the head and then you date back to again the whole when Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family deal and he lit the uh uh what was it that barn on fire i, I forgot yeah, what that yeah. was i forgot what that was symbolic for that was like sister abigail's house or something yeah um he lit that off and then Randy Orton goes on to uh <clears throat> to go over Bray Wyatt at that that same mania to win the title off of him so i i could see Bray Wyatt going over and, and just kind of having this whole storybook feud come around full circle, but again, I, I really don't know what you do with, with The Fiend from there, because you really haven't done much with him. Right. Okay. Alright, I think that's uh, enough on this match. It'll be interesting to see what happens again. Taping on a Monday, we'll see what's added to it, or what flavor uh, gets put on for this Sunday night match. Uh, we got two more matches to go, folks. Don't worry, we're almost done with this. Um... It is for the Raw Women's Championship. It is the champion Asuka, who feels like has been the champion forever, versus uh, a debuting on the main roster, Rhea Ripley. Um, I feel like this is an easy booking decision. Asuka's been the champion forever now. She's grown stale. Um, there's times where she's not even on television, and you forget that she's the Raw Women's Champion. I feel like you need to change it up here. Get a new character on there. Rhea Ripley can talk. She's got the look. She's she's got everything going for her. Like I said, they had to. She pretty much had to start from scratch again. Basically, of how she was booked at last year's Mania, killing all of her momentum because uh, she should have already been a big star by now. Um, so this is the start of something new. Go with her, and then you can start getting other wrestlers into the mix and having people chase her while she's the dominant champion so i'm going here rhea ripley easily uh i'm gonna disagree with you there simply because there's and i'm, I'm actually gonna make a, a bold prediction here um but before i get into that there's nothing that convinces me as to why rhea ripley should win because of the fact that if you if you tailor this all the way back to last year Beginning of last year, I think she won the NXT Women's Title at a at a takeover, right? Right in January, right around the Rumble. Right, right before there, yeah. And so around that time, you also had Charlotte Flair who won the Royal Rumble, and then you had Charlotte Flair go to NXT to pin Rhea Ripley and take the belt off of her. And then after that point, uh, we talked about last summer uh, the Great American Bash and Fighter Fest. 
there was a there was a match and and the build up to that match was was Rhea Ripley was in this weird feud with that Robert Stone guy and in, in the Robert Stone brand or oh, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they had like they had this very silly feud where she was making him look weak and and she ended up I think she ended up going over in that match at at the Great American Bash and then I didn't really see a whole lot of her after that you didn't really do anything with her to that point you didn't push her back into the to the main title picture you were kind of running with Io Shirai uh, who's been the NXT women's champion for the longest time um and all of a sudden now she all just out of nowhere she gets a a a debut on Monday Night Raw shows up and says hey I want a world title match okay <laughs> wait and, and there's there's nothing about that that convinces me that she she's going to win or that she that she deserves to win no disrespect to her but it's just that's how her, that's how you played her character out and then this is what you're expecting to believe hey. expecting me to believe there's I, there's no way i never said it, it it made sense i just said that this is what they the direction they need to go because oscar she's done nothing as champion anymore like there's nothing there for her like they need to just either repackage her or do something different she needs to probably turn heel that's the other thing Okay. Like a vicious heel. Now, now, what if I propose this to you? Now, hear me out on this. So, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think Asuka goes over and Raw after Mania, because this is night two, mm. so this is not going to be, there's not going to be any sort of like questions or cliffhangers here. This should be just a straight up, whoever wins is going to win. Raw after Mania, we see the return of Becky Lynch. Oh, that's not gonna. I don't think they're gonna save that for a raw. I think she's gonna come back at a, a pay per view. But it's not. But, but it's no, not. Play out your scenario. Though. It's not just a raw. It's the raw after Mania, which is one of the biggest raws, if not the biggest raw of the year. It's in front of a live crowd. When you hear the "Wow," you're gonna get that pop. And Oscar goes over, and we could see. We could possibly not only see the return of a Becky Lynch. We could see the the return of a heel Becky. Because Becky Lynch can come out, let's say Asuka's, let's say Asuka's in a match, she finishes a match, or Asuka comes out and she's cutting a promo and then you hear Becky's music play and Becky mm-hmm. heads to the ring. Then you just have Becky just obliterate Asuka, just beat her up, and it's like, wait, why did Becky do this? They come back the following week, Becky cuts a promo, I'm the man, I've always been the man. And let's let's make one thing clear. Asuka has held the title for almost a full 365 days. The title that I handed her on a silver platter. Yes, Asuka won the Money in the Bank contract, but she did not beat me. There's no guarantee that she would have beaten me for this title straight up if she had tried to cash in on me. I gave her the title. I never lost it. I won it back. Meanwhile... You have a character like Rhea Ripley who just made her debut, so she doesn't get the strap. But, you know, you have her go through a series of matches. You have her build up her character on the main roster. Then maybe you put her in a, in a, in a title picture with, with, uh, with, with Becky Lynch or Asuka. But you have Becky Lynch come back, and you have her rival Asuka, and just have her do her heel work and have her uh, portray herself as the man again. And I never lost the title, and I want it back. I, I love it. Damn, I didn't even think of uh, of Becky yet, even though I want her to return so bad. But that's a really good scenario, and, and it plays into this long term storyline with her and 
yeah, the perfect, like, I handed you this belt. You've also done really done nothing with it to elevate it. You've just been kind of coasting. Right. It's, what are you doing? That's a disrespect to me. It's, screw you. Like, I'm going to take this title back, and it's something I should have never lost in the first place. I like that scenario a lot. Uh, Rhea Ripley, yeah, can still kind of build her up. Then you got Charlotte in the mix, too, um, which, I don't. again, it's Monday. Who knows? Maybe she can get inserted at some point, or maybe she, I don't know. But I, I know she's going to be involved in the storyline as well at some point, but I love your scenario. Uh, would, would I love for that to happen? Absolutely. But I'm still going to pick Rhea Ripley as a changing of the guard because I still don't think Becky's going to come back just yet. I think it'll be in front of a bigger, bigger, not like WrestleMania, but at least a bigger crowd, whether it's at a pay-per-view like SummerSlam or, or whatever. Right. Um, I don't think they'll just have her appear on Raw, even though it would be fucking awesome if that happened. Uh, we need more Raw moments, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with, with Rhea Ripley. Winning. That's fair. Cool. All right, now we come to the, which will for sure be the main event of night two, and that is a triple threat match for the WWE Universal Championship. The head of the table, Roman Reigns, the champion, defending against the Royal Rumble winner, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. Uh, go off. I got pl- a lot of thoughts on this, but I want you to go first. So I I am fully behind. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I'm picking Roman Reigns to win this. I am fully behind Roman Reigns, which is something that I don't think I have ever said ever since Roman has uh, made his debut on the main roster when he was with the Shield. Because uh, even when the Shield was a team, I was immediately a Rollins guy. That's That was the guy that I was going behind the entire time. Um then over the years, you kind of had Roman. Roman was kind of force fed to us by by Vince and the company, and they they wanted so badly for Roman to be the top guy that everybody was just kind of like, no, we're we're not going to accept <laughs> it. He's he hasn't proven himself. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. Uh, granted, he's always been a big guy. You know, he's he's had he he has good athletic ability. He has a lot of strength. Um, his character work had just hasn't always been the best and they fed him to you know to the likes of like uh john cena and the undertaker and they they had him go over uh they had him go over triple h and and had him feud with the authority and again it was just it's really kind of just wwe trying to force feed roman reigns to us and I, and I think it was because he was so heavily forced onto us is what kind of turned us as fans uh, away from trying to you know away from getting behind him but now he's come back um in, in in wake of this pandemic which uh if you guys go back to listen to the uh the WrestleMania podcast from last year he was originally supposed to be in the universal title picture against uh Goldberg because that was going to be another one of those moments where oh big name like Goldberg and Roman Reigns is going over to to get the US or the universal title off of him didn't play out because of you know his his immunocompromisation and and because he had just beat cancer and, and COVID was and is still a serious thing and he didn't want to risk it, but he's come back and his his head of the table his tribal chief work has been absolutely amazing, um, great promo work. Um, he's even got uh, Paul Heyman, which I don't really think he needs so much, but Paul Heyman does add a, a little bit of pizzazz and, and a little flair to, to the character in, in terms of being his businessman. And then you have Jay Uso, who's kind of like the hitman. Um, everything's working for him. The reason, another reason why I want to pick him is because Daniel Bryan and Edge. Okay. 
let's let's talk about Daniel Bryan and Edge. Daniel Bryan plays onto this whole like a little too much for for my taste. He plays onto this whole like I I overcame a, a career ending injury and now I'm back and and I fought for my dreams and. We've also heard Daniel Bryan say that he kind of wants to take a break, a little bit of a break. He he kind of wants to put himself in, into the part-time picture. Then you also have Edge, who was also in the same boat, career-ending, uh, you know, career-ending injury. Didn't know if he was going to make it back, and then he finally comes back and got one of the biggest, if not the biggest, pops from from the audience because of his return. But you heard him say it himself: if if the wind blows in the wrong direction on either one of these guys. They're going to get hurt. They're out. So what logical sense would it make to, to put the title on, on either one of them? And if you want to talk about feel-good sob stories, Roman Reigns has his own feel-good sob story. Major difference. Roman Reigns didn't just come from an injury. He beat cancer, which was literally life or death for him. That's that's how serious his his story is. So I, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of getting sick of this whole, like, yes movement kind of thing and just just trying to play the the sympathetic underdog um especially if, if your plans your long-term plans are you, you just want to go part-time and edge is already in, in a part-timing role and edge came back and feuded with orton he was in one match and got hurt and then we never saw him on tv again until the rumble and then even after the rumble you never really saw much of him on tv so why would you give him the belt so that's that's my thoughts on that Interesting take. Um, I'm with you on a lot of it. Um, now, as far as the 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 outcome, I'm not sure. Um, originally, this was just supposed to be Roman Reigns versus Edge. That right. was that was a whole thing. Now, I'm into the dirt sheets, but also like I'm I'm behind on some stuff. But I do remember reading something that Vince McMahon got upset that this match got leaked. As far as the Roman Edge thing. So he was going to change everything up. Some kind of thing. And that's why Daniel Bryan was inserted into this to kind of just give the surprise element or just to go in a direction that you didn't think it was going. So that's why the Daniel Bryan thing is very weird to me and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why he's there. Um, the story is not there. Yes, he got screwed over at Fastlane or whatever. But that was something that was put together very quickly. And, and an edge turning heel was very weird as well. So... I don't know if they're trying to go back to the well to play Daniel Bryan as this big underdog that has to overcome like these big names like a Reigns and Edge. I don't know. It doesn't feel the same, and it, it's very weird, and I'm having a hard time trying to decide how this show is going to end because, yes, Roman Reigns does have that great story as well, and I think he's good to stay as the champion because you got a lot of challengers on the rise, like a Big E or... Uh, even Kevin Owens again at some point if you package him right. Um, yeah, it's a very weird buildup. I know the match is going to deliver. I guess I want to go back to that crowd question. Who do you think the fans are going to cheer for in this match more? I know there was a, a fear of WWE that people were going to boo Edge. I don't think so because mm. they didn't really get a chance to really cheer for, him, cheer for him other than the Rumble. So I really think don't think that would have been a problem as to why they inserted Daniel Bryan in here. I don't know what, what do you what do you think like who do, who are the fans gonna be behind in this match? I think I think it's gonna be split. Uh, I I couldn't uh, couldn't tell you the difference here. I, I do want to bring up uh, the the point that you had made where Edge turning heel. I don't think he so much turned heel. Uh, he, the the point that he was trying to make or the point that he was trying to come across was, 
hey, look, I excuse me. I um I'm kind of in the same boat you are. I'm I'm kind of ri- rivaling you with having a, a career-ending injury, and I I overcame, and now we're both back. The difference being is I entered the Royal Rumble at number one, and I legitimately earned my spot to be in WrestleMania. Like I've earned the right to be here. You kind of just bitch and complain and, and, and kind of just inserted yourself and, and kind of forced yourself into this match and then he kind of just got really aggressive Daniel Bryan also got aggressive like Daniel Bryan beat the hell out of both of them on, on this previous episode of Smackdown right. so not not really much of a heel turn um, well I'm thinking in terms of your logic's perfect because the way you're explaining it is, is exactly what it is and Edge has every right and there's no heel in it but if you watch the way WWE's presenting the story Whenever Edge is cutting promo time or whatever, they pipe in booing noise. So mm. they're trying to portray him as a heel. Yeah. So that's what I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It, they're not going to get away with that. I think you're going to have. I think you're going to have. I think you're going to have people cheering for who they need to cheer for. I think you're going to have uh, a lot of fans cheering for Edge. A lot of cha- a lot of fans cheering for for Brian and then. Roman Reigns is the clear and the obvious heel here. You might have a small percentage of people cheering for Roman, but I think it's going to be – I think for the most part they're going to boo him. Um, that's that's how I see the fans playing out. I don't think WWE is going to get away with trying to – especially not th- because this whole thing kind of unfolded within the past couple of weeks and right. Mania's literally this weekend. They're, they're not going to pull a fast one on, on a live audience. I, I don't think – they're going to convince the audience to want to boo Edge enough uh, within twenty, within forty eight hours. Excuse me from this SmackDown that still had that's still yet to come this week. So, I think they're going to cheer him for the most part. Okay, so you're picking uh, Roman. I'm going with Roman. Um, if they're if they're if they're going that route and they're gonna the fans will see right through it. Edge is the hero or whatever. I think Daniel Bryan is is inserted in there to take the pin, so I can see Roman. Getting the victory over Brian, Edge will still continue on with Roman afterwards, and they can still feud on, right? As the proper way it should have been. I have a question for you. Do you think um, how much, if any, is uh, Jay Uso going to have any sort of involvement in this match? Oh, I'm sure he'll be involved, and he'll take a spot or two. But either Brian or Edge will take him out with with whatever. Uh, he'll be in the match for sure. There'll be shenanigans. It's triple threat. There's no rules, so there's going to be a lot of like fighting around the ring area outside. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I storyline wise, Roman Reigns should retain here. I think he should have a really, really long title run until he finally. I don't know. Even someone like The Rock, I can even see Roman holding on all the way till next year when they're in L.A. and have him face off with The Rock or something like that. Some, until the until the point comes where you have a believable character that that you could actually see, okay, this person rivalry, ri- rivalrying with Roman, Roman Reigns makes sense, somebody that could actually complement him and the work that he's doing right now. Yeah. Maybe even like a – and this is huh, – this is actually crazy to think about, but um, – and. I, I don't mean this because I'm biased in any sort of way, but even like a like a Seth Rollins character, have Seth Rollins, hey, you're because because the gimmicks really clash with each other. Like, hey, you're the head of the table. I'm I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior of SmackDown, yeah. and, and they're both trying to be like the top guys. You can't have two top guys and, and have them feud a little bit. That that would that would make for a believable storyline. Like, I, I could see that happening. 
But then there's also opportunities here for Edge to be the champion and have him feud with Rollins. There's storylines there yeah. that date back to when, you know, Rollins brought the authority back by stepping on Edge's neck. And, I'm going to kill him anyway. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. That's one of my favorite promos. <laughs> so there's history there that they could tap into, you know, even stuff with Kevin Owens. I'd love to see Kevin Owens and Edge face off. Uh, and this is like a heel Edge. I don't know about Rollins. Rollins would maybe have to turn babyface or whatever. But either way, uh, there's opportunities there. So Edge could possibly win, but I don't know. At this, I, I, don't, at this, I don't see Edge. Not at this time. Uh, maybe down the line he could have a, another one more championship run. But right now Reigns is just too strong of a character. He's finally won me over. And again, it wasn't so much the him being forced down our necks. It was him not having a character to get behind. He was just a big powerhouse. And, you know, because we can say the same thing about Cena. Cena was the big force dog. fed. Yeah. But Cena had a character you could get behind. Right. Whether it be the thugonomics or... You know, the hustle, loyalty, respect. Super soldier John Cena. Yeah, like that that all you could get behind. It was a badass character. Roman Reigns it was just a guy who would spit lines. Sometimes he was comical and it felt weird. And other times it was, he was just the straight white meat baby face and it didn't work. But now he's he's settled in. He knows who he is. And I can't wait to see him in front of crowds and how he manipulates the, the audience. I think that's going to be real interesting. So, yeah, right. keep the belt on him. Keep it strong and uh, close out the show that way. It may not be the most elegant finish, but we've seen heels come out at the end of WrestleMania. You go back to 31 with Seth Rollins, yeah. the heist of the century. Yep. That ended in a cliffhanger. That was a heel winning. Uh, Triple H has come out on top as a heel to end a WrestleMania. So uh, I can you, see that. To, to also uh, available on, on wherever you get, you get your podcast, the most recent episode with uh, your friend Raul Flores, uh, WrestleMania X7. The uh, the weird heel turn with Austin beating the hell out of the Rock with Vince McMahon yeah. in the ring that's that's another heel win. It's still the the most violent ending ever to a WrestleMania. Or uh, or if you're um, if you're Ryder Rodriguez WrestleMania 2000. Yes, <laughs> that's another weird ending. Um, well, that's it, Brandon. That's WrestleMania this weekend. Are you, are you a little more pumped now that we've talked about it? Or you know, there's once we get closer to the day of. You know, I, I, yeah, I think I think once the day of happens, I, there, you know, there's there's a little bit of magic when when it comes to to WrestleMania. At least if you're a wrestling fan, I know that not everybody in the world is is a fan of wrestling, um, but it's 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 a spectacle, and in its own right, it's it's should be a holiday because WrestleMania, whatever town that it's in, it's it's an all day affair. There's events. There's uh, meet and greets there's uh you know you have you have representation of the superstars on like local radio shows uh local news networks it's it's a huge deal and it's it's going to be in front of a live crowd so they can't get away with a lot of the stunts that they pulled last year when it was just uh you know when it was just in the performance center um so i'm interested to see how it plays out um i'm not really super fond of everything that went into it i'm not super fond of how they booked everything and how they just kind of rushed all of the storylines and, and just kind of threw all of the matches together last minute but you know wwe has they have the potential they have the ability to pull something they they can they can pull the rabbit out of the hat and they can still make a, an amazing show especially wrestlemania like you can't you can't mess around with wrestlemania you cannot afford to uh to ruin your biggest spectacle of you know pretty much of your entire program so um 
I'm just I'm I'm still gonna tune in and I'm gonna I'm gonna see how it goes. Um, there was a video that came out on Twitter, I believe, yesterday or the day before, of a drone uh, overseeing Raymond James Stadium, and you can see WWE working on the set already. Right. So it's gonna be nice to see WrestleMania actually look like a WrestleMania with an actual set. Mm-hmm. And there's gonna be a crowd, so you know, with the pandemic thing, I guess I get it with the circumstances that we're in, but. I'm getting tired of seeing that same Thunderdome set up with the virtual fans. Like, yeah. I, I need it to look like a real wrestling show. So uh, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to is it actually looking like a WrestleMania. There'll be pyro. There'll be, you know, all the, the pageantry behind it. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we wanted to end this pod with uh, one final question that Brandon posed to me. And that is uh, actually on somebody that's not even involved in this year's WrestleMania. That is uh, that we know of. That we know of. But uh, this is their biggest star over the past like ten, fifteen years, almost twenty, I think. I believe um, John Cena, who I think won't be involved in this WrestleMania since what he's been involved practically almost in every WrestleMania at some point since he debuted. Since I believe nineteen. I believe so because even when he was injured, he would always come out in some form of uh segment or whatever even back i think mania 32 he had injured his I don't, something with his shoulder i believe but he still came out with the rock and did something yeah they, so he's always the white family yeah he's always been involved so this will be the first year we believe he's not going to be he's filming right now his television show peacemaker which is the character he's going to be playing in the suicide squad which comes out in august i'm super looking forward to that um I've declared this the year of John Cena as a movie star, like breakout, like he's gonna finally, you know, really make it in Hollywood, even though he's been doing some movies for a while now. But I really think he's gonna start getting some recognition and he's gonna start getting a lot of phone calls once we see him in Fast Nine and then of course Suicide Squad. But Brandon had asked me if John Cena was gonna have one final run in WWE, how would I book it? It's a very interesting question. Now, the last time we saw John Cena, and we mentioned this earlier, was at WrestleMania last year, and he had a Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt, which was basically like a, it was a cinematic match, quote unquote, but it was very much a, uh, a greatest hits of John Cena's career, <laughs> and there was a lot of uh, metaphors in it as far as like being like, because uh, John Cena would cut a promo on Bray Wyatt saying how he was the most overhyped, overvalued, or whatever superstar ever. But Bray Wyatt turned that into us meaning that about John Cena. Maybe he was the most overhyped, over, you know, privileged, over whatever superstar. And he, like, made him vanish. He didn't pin him or anything, but he made him vanish. Again, it was a cinematic match, so there was a lot of theatrics to that. If I was going to book John Cena's final run, they have to return to that. I don't care if it's supernatural and weird and there has to be something like John Cena went somewhere. So I think when he comes back, if they tap into that, if they go that avenue, there has to be like a darker John Cena. And I'm not talking like supernatural where he's doing weird shit. I'm talking like a really aggressive John Cena final chip on his shoulder to prove that he is, you know, I think Vince McMahon has called him like the Babe Ruth of WWE like he's that high on stature and even I have him on my Mount Rushmore I think he's the most important one of the most important superstars in the history of professional wrestling because he basically carried WWE post Rock and Austin like there hasn't been anybody as big even though Cena's not quite to the level of the Rock and Austin but he's been the biggest star in wrestling post uh, the Attitude Era so he's super important so I would have him do this final run 
maybe get a blow off with the fiend at some point um i know he's tied with rick flair right now for most championships i want to see him get one more reign just to break it that'll so that way they can promote john cena as the greatest of all time even though they've kind of already built him that way whenever he comes out he's reached that aura of like legend status um so i want to see something like that um and I want to see him like battle it out with somebody like I don't know. Have a couple of more matches with like a Riddle, or a, you know I know we've seen him have classic matches with Kevin Owens. I'd love to see them tussle again because they were they had such great chemistry. Um, who else has? I've never seen him with Drew McIntyre. Could see something like that. That's actually what I thought the match was going to be last year for Mania. Him and McIntyre that would have been something. Um, yeah, just a couple of more matches i'd love to see with with uh younger talent um obviously he'd get a majority of the wins but then eventually he goes out on his back to somebody i don't know who it is but it would be like the next like big person i don't know do you have any other you have thoughts on what i said and then maybe give your own opinion on what you would do um yes so i'm i'm super happy that that you answered that question for me uh this was just kind of a kind of a last minute deal that uh i kind of proposed just um I'll, I'll kind of give you some some uh, some content here. Some uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, context, perspective. Yeah, some context here. There you go. Um, you can also listen to this episode uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. Palace off the top rope. Uh, his most recent episode where he talks about uh, he does a full on review for Godzilla vs King Kong, which is available in theaters and also on the HBO Max app. Uh, and he did a review on the movie Nobody. In that same episode is when uh, this gentleman right here made the proclamation of this being the year of John Cena uh, as in terms of the cinematic universe, as he has just explained. I'm not going to beat that horse again. Um, <clears throat> that kind of got me thinking because John Cena was the guy I remember being the uh, right about the age of, of eight or nine, maybe ten. Uh, I had stopped watching wrestling for a little bit and then I got back into wrestling and the, the person that I was told to pay attention to was John Cena during the, uh, right around, uh, the middle or yeah, right, right, right around the middle of the, the ruthless aggression era, right before WWE took a, a turn for PG. And, uh, I remember cheering for John Cena for a good long time. And there was a point where I booed John Cena, um, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the the toxic internet wrestling marks kind of got kind of got under my skin, and you know, like, oh, John Cena's not a real wrestler. He's five moves of doom. He's the same old, same old. And I I don't know. I thought it was cool at the time. I thought everybody was booing John Cena, but uh, I had no business doing it. And then you know, during during the latter part of his career, right when he started making himself uh, to to be a bit more of a part timer, he he started to grow on me again, and and. Uh, this guy deserves all the respect in the world in terms of who he is uh, in and out of the wrestling ring and, and just how he carries himself and, and what he's done for the company as a whole. Um, I, I, I agree with, with your statements uh, because, believe to be honest, I actually kind of answered this question already. I, I kind of answered this question a year ago. Um, and... I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest here. I, I might get I might I might get some comments of like, oh well, you know, you're you're too young, you you wouldn't understand, or or hey, we're we're living in the internet era, you know, go go and do your research. I don't understand what the fascination is with Ric Flair's 16 title reigns. Like, I can empathize with the fact that okay, 
it, back in the day, you know, WCW or, or when Ric Flair was in his prime, he was he was the guy, uh, you know, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, Space Mountain, oldest ride, longest line. Um, you hear a woo, you, you immediately know you you associate that with with, with Ric Flair. I, I get that, I understand all of that. He is an icon in his own right. But John Cena is also an icon, as, as you had, had stated, in his own right. And this guy has, has carried the company for so many years. And if, if you were to ask any household, like uh, even in a household who didn't indulge in wrestling, if you asked uh, just any random household, if we, if we were to go out and do a case study and, and start surveying people like, hey, who do you think of when you hear of WWE? John Cena is a pretty big household name. People associate John Cena with WWE. That's that's how big of, of a star this guy is. That's that's the magnitude of of his character to the company. And unless I'm missing something, unless there's a, a podcast or there's an interview on YouTube, unless there's something out there that uh, where John Cena has said, "Hey, I personally do not want to beat Ric Flair 16." I don't see any good reason why he shouldn't. I don't see any. I don't see any good reason why John Cena shouldn't be the new benchmark, and shouldn't be the new guy to beat, and and be the guy who's who's seventeen world titles. Now, I I don't. If if I was going to book it, I would keep it short and simple. I don't necessarily see a reason why we 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 would have to readdress the whole. Uh, disappearing act with the with the firefly funhouse match okay. I, I think i think we can i th- i think we can and when i say we i mean like a collective audience i think audiences are are pretty okay with moving past that especially with everything that the fiend has been doing with randy orton nowadays and everybody knows that it's just been so over the top that it's kind of like okay well john cena's back that's you know it's all fine whatever i can see him kind of this this will almost kind of mirror the way that the rock did it uh, back in 2013, when when The Rock came back and and he beat CM Punk for the for the WWE title, but then he put John Cena over that that same mania, mm-hmm. and this would honestly work. This would honestly complement either uh, a Drew McIntyre or even a Bobby Lashley, um, because I know that those are the two big guys. Those are the stars that Raw is is trying to, uh, you know, trying to to promote right now. But this would also work very well with with Roman's head of the table character. Ooh, it would yeah. it would it would work super well. Um, have John Cena come back maybe at like a like a Survivor Series. Have him go through a, a couple of matches and then have him fight for the title at the Royal Rumble. Have him win the title at the Rumble, and that's going to be which he's done before because that's actually how he won number sixteen because he mm-hmm. won it here in San Antonio. Right, right. Um, have him win seventeen at the Royal Rumble. And then have him feud with the previous champion. Have have Roman come out and say, "I'm, you know, John. You proclaimed so proudly that you were never going to leave the WWE. How you loved the fans and how you would never turn Hollywood. And, and here you are doing all of these movies, becoming a big movie star. And now you want to come back and, and you want to try to run. You, you want to try to run the show again? That's not how it works. I'm the head. I am the rightful head of the table. I am the tribal chief." I'm the star that this that this company needs. We don't need you anymore, John. Have them rival. Have them fight at at the WrestleMania for the title, and then have John Cena drop it, and that'll be 
kind of John Cena's final farewell address. I love it. Um, I want to tweak something to mine. Uh, not really so much going back to the supernatural and escaping out of that. Mainly what I really want is for someone to be seeking out John Cena. Like, hey, what happened to this guy? But plant little seeds. Like, someone's egging him. Like, I want to fight him. Like, but where has he gone? Like, what happened oh, to him? Okay. So I'd, I'd get like a, I don't know. For example, I'm just saying this as an example. Like, I don't know, Damien Priest, whatever. He goes like, hey, what happened to this John Cena guy that I heard so much about? The, the myth, uh, the, the legend. Like, where's this guy at? Like, last time we saw him, he got vanquished out of here by a, you know, a cartoon character. Like, where, where's the hustle, loyalty, respect? I want someone to egg him out of, like, hiding, I guess, so to speak. Um, and that brings out that different John Cena that I was talking about earlier. He's super intense. He's got that final chip on his shoulder. Yes, does, does get the final world title run. Has a couple of badass matches with all these up and comers. But yeah, I would love to see like a final showdown with like a Roman Reigns where like he can finally like really pass the torch and, right. And John Cena can go quietly. Cause for those of you diehard wrestling fans, like that get mad when a, a wrestler loses his last match, that's really like tradition. That's how it's supposed to go. It's like when Kurt Angle lost his final match. Yes, it was against Baron Corbin. It sucked, but you're supposed to go out on your back. Like typically Austin went out on his back against the rock. You know, Trish Stratus went out first time she won, but she went out this last time against Charlotte Flair. She went out on her back. That's usually how it goes when you're passing the torch on. Like that's, if you're a true like wrestling fan, loyalist, like purist, that's how the torch gets passed. So yeah, John Cena has to lose like whatever his final match ends up being. But I, I love that idea so much. It's a good, uh, it's a good build. So did I, did I answer your question pretty good or? No, yeah, no, that's, I loved that's, your, I loved your answer also. So that's, that's exactly what I was, I was looking for. I, I wasn't exactly sure if you were going to book any differently than mine. I, I think we, we kind of see eye to eye on, on the big picture here, which is John Cena comes back, wins one more world title and then drops it. Obviously the booking is a little bit differently, but, uh, again, just, uh, just some, just some food for thought. Just wanted to provide uh, maybe a little bit of uh, objectivity because, again, longtime listener of the podcast, I heard uh, everything that you were saying, and I and I agree with your points. This is uh this is the rise of of John Cena as as being uh you know a Hollywood uh, movie star kind of following you know him and Batista kind of following the Rock's footsteps, except uh, we can see a little bit more range in, in their characters. They're not always the the big badass action stars they can play like the the silly goofy roles uh yeah. and, and they can pull it off very well um and so i thought since we were since we were, we were going to be discussing wrestling today for for this episode uh you know well you know kind of kind of kind of a hypothetical here you know how how would you do this and it's not we've heard uh we've heard uh going back to the wrestlemania 32 moment where he came back and he uh he paired up with the rock to, to take down the white family uh, Michael Cole on commentary was like, it wouldn't be WrestleMania without John Cena. Yeah. And so. It's going to be weird seeing this WrestleMania without him. This WrestleMania, this could be the first WrestleMania without him, but this also, I mean, six car, six matches per card. There's a lot of room for filler. There's a lot of room for backstage segments. Uh, you know, it's, Something. it's, 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 it's WrestleMania. Yeah. So you never really know. John Cena might, might pop out at, at some point. So. Uh, I wanted to add this real quick. I know I mentioned on that episode where I reviewed Godzilla and Nobody where I said, eh, it'll be whatever if John Cena doesn't come back. No, I kind of want to see him do one more run because we mentioned this. I don't know. I forgot it was, if it was here or off air, but Brandon did mention this is a guy, John Cena, that we've actually seen from 
the beginning, the middle, and right to the, cause I can't even say that about Austin. I didn't see him when he started his career. I came in like right as he was about to kickstart the Attitude Era. So I have never really seen fully a big icon like this, like from beginning, middle, and then John Cena is the closest one where I saw him when he was nothing, saw him like grow and evolve. And yeah, I would love to see him have one final like send off and a farewell. So, and, yeah. th- and this guy, and this guy deserves a, uh, a proper goodbye because he's never, he's, he's off doing his thing. He's never once, at least I don't think so. He's never once considered signing for another promotion. He, he's, he's so loyal to the WWE. Rick Flair has, as soon as he did his farewell match with, with Shawn Michaels, he went to TNA, he went to TNA. Right. He was on TNA for a little bit and then he, and then he came back and they just rolled out the red carpet for him. No, no disrespect to Rick Flair, but I mean, if you ask me, it's only a matter of time until I'm just sitting at home one day. Uh, AEW is going to have a, a pay-per-view event going on and, and I'm just going to be scrolling through my Twitter feed and I'm going to see a picture and it's going to say <laughs> Rick Flair's hashtag all elite. I mean, you got, you got Tully Blanchard and I think you got Arn Anderson over there. Might as well get the rest of the, the horsemen, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Get them all, get them all over there. Why not? You. I think that's why WWE treats The Rock so well because The Rock is also somebody who's never left anywhere else. I mean, other than movies, but yeah, he's loyal to that company. You know, he always tweets with all the other wrestlers. So John Cena deserves that exact same treatment to be held in the highest regard. You know, he's done the jobs for everyone, you know, including Taker, did it to The Rock. You know, I didn't agree with that booking at WrestleMania 28 because it was billed as once in a lifetime, right? We thought mm-hmm. we were never going to see it again. And why did you have The Rock go over? Like, what the hell? Like, John Cena's the guy. Yeah. But, I mean, they pay that off a year later. But, you know, Cena does the job and Cena is a stand-up guy and he'll put whoever over you despite, you know, his reputation as, oh, he's the one that buries talent. Like, no, the talent doesn't step up to, to him. The only ones close were CM Punk and... Even Daniel Bryan, to an extent, who rose up to his level in promos and and character and all that stuff. So John Cena has earned every single thing that he's gotten in WWE, and that's why he's so important. Not only to just me and you, but to a lot of the wrestling community. So right, yeah. Man, now I'm pumped. I want to see him come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, he'll he'll have something at this year's WrestleMania, even if it's just like a backstage or a video Tron him giving a message or something. Yeah, he has to be involved at in some point. It, again, it used to be like. How could there ever be a WrestleMania without Stone Cold Steve Austin? That used to be me, but now it's like, man, how can you have a WrestleMania without John Cena? Michael Cole is exactly right. Um, Ooh, I just, I just, <laughs> another interesting thought just popped up in my head. So going back to the, uh, going back to Randy Orton versus The Fiend, what if, uh, what if during the match you just hear the, <laughs> just like the music start playing all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, John Cena vanished last year. What? Uh, I'll take it. I would take what, it what if what if that is the return that we get? What if let's imagine what if that's the? I'll mark hard. I, I will not lie for anything. John Cena, I will mark hard for. So yeah, I think that'll that'll put an exclamation point on this pod. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Thank you for joining me and Brandon as we took you on a ride here, the ultimate thrill ride, as WrestleMania was once called once upon a time. Uh, and hopefully, we got you excited. Even though some of the logic and booking doesn't make sense for a lot of what's happening this year, but it's still WrestleMania. It's still a worldwide event that everybody's everybody's going to be talking about WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday, regardless of, of where you are. It'll be on the timelines on Twitter. Everybody will be talking about it. There'll be something going on. So thank you, buddy, for joining me. I appreciate you so much. Uh, I always have a blast talking wrestling with you. We can go for hours and hours talking about this stuff because uh, 
you know, we, we love it so much and it's been a part of our lives for so long. So likewise, likewise. And, and as always, again, thank you so much for, for having me on. Uh, it's, it's always a blast to, to sit down and, and have conversations with you, especially about wrestling. Um, super excited to be back on season two guys. If, if you haven't gone out and done it already, uh, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give it a five star review. R- really, this this gentleman right here, he you know he does whatever he has to do to to make a living, and and this is something that he's put his heart and his dedication to in, in his in his spare time. He doesn't really get anything out of this, um, but he's he's come a long way. He's he's been doing this for for years now. Um, let let's let's see if we let's see if we can't push this uh, push this podcast to the next level. Um, engage, engage on the social medias. Um, anytime you, you see my name and, and if it's wrestling involved, you should automatically expect that it's probably going to be a two or three hour episode because we <laughs> can, we can go for, for forever, but, um, get some engagements out there, you know, tweet, tweet at us, uh, let us know your comments. Let us know if you agree with the things that we say, let us know if you disagree with the things that, that we say. Um, uh, this, this man does, uh, his, his episodes on his own. He's had a, a variety of, of different guests, uh, ranging, ranging from Roger Trevino, uh, Eli Perez, uh, Jake Ramirez, um, all of your fan favorites have been on the show. He's uh, he's doing his own spinoffs. Uh, he's going to be doing the the NFL uh, spinoff, which I'm super excited for uh, because I listened to all of the NFL episodes from from last year, and they were super hilarious and very entertaining. Also very insightful as well. Uh, this man knows what he's talking about, and, and even though it's just sharing opinions, um, uh, again, just uh, just just provide your own obje- uh, objectivity. Be objective. Uh, agree with him. Disagree with him. Let's get some engagements going. Let, let's let's help this uh, let's help this grow. And uh, I'm I'm super excited if it's still uh, if it's still on the table. Haven't really seen an episode as of late, but the uh, the '90s films turned 30. Yes, uh, I was about to look, hype you up, man. Looking looking forward to uh, looking forward to uh, to Judgment Day. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I'll, I'll promote it right now. Uh, this will probably be coming in July. I believe that's when its 30th anniversary comes up, or 1991. Uh, but yes, this is an episode that we've talked about for a long time. I've booked him already, but yes, Brandon will be back in a non-wrestling capacity. We're going to talk movies, specifically Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which will be turning 30 years old this year. So that's going to be a super fun conversation. I can't wait to do all my research on that and my rewatch on all that. So that'll be coming later on this year. So be on the lookout for that. I I, I really look forward to that conversation with you on this movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and if uh, and if any of the uh, board of directors from Marvel are, are listening into this, uh, please give give this gentleman a sponsorship, uh, so that way we have the right to say that uh, Brandon McLaughlin will return in <laughs> POTTR '90s films term thirty. Love it, I love it, man. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Uh, enjoy your WrestleMania, guys. Uh, hopefully, this will give you a little bit more insight. If you're not familiar with what's going on this weekend, uh, we got you all covered in this episode. So, thanks to Brandon so much, and. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Did you hear? Yes, tell them about it. WWE Network is now on Peacock. Awesome! Stream every live pay-per-view, including WrestleMania, your favorite WWE shows. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Plus, everything Peacock has to offer, because WWE Network is now on Peacock. Get Peacock Premium, including WWE Network. Sign up at PeacockTV.com slash WWE. And for a limited time, get it all for just $2.50 a month.